Friday, we're here at Charlottetown. We're trying out lobster on the wharf and we're going to check out their amazing fresh seafood. Um, I'm so excited for this. Let the meat lobster. Mm, this, this, this entire stream is going to get copy claimed now. Oh yeah, that's, she's showing us the nice lobster roll. Prince Edward Island, Charlottetown, it's a beautiful place. Mmm, it's really good. Oh, lobster rolls, what else, what else? Oh, you had oysters too. Isn't that nice? Some of you might be hey, saying- everyone, for this Woody Friday, we're here at Charlottetown. Some, some of you might be saying, well, what's the big deal, Viva? It's just a, a young woman uh, showing us a foodie Friday. She's surely an influencer. Uh, maybe she has her food channel. Maybe this is like, um, What's that show called? Uh, Bizarre Foods. Maybe it's just, it's just a, no. Who is Reshi Valdez? Reshi Valdez is Minister of Small Business, Member of Parliament for Mississauga, Streetsville, creative entrepreneur and leader with a drive to empower our community. Spoiler alert, she's a liberal. Once upon a time, when it was Marie Antoinette and, you know, the royalty was, um, unclear as to how out of touch they were with the people and Mary Antoinette, I forgot, I don't even know the context. You know, the whole thing is they don't have enough food to eat. And she says, well, let them eat bread. This is the minister. What was it? Minister of small business. Let me make sure. Minister of small business. Oh, Viva, don't be such a jerk. All she's doing is promoting a small business. The liberals, I think were having their retreat, some form of government retreat to Prince Edward Island. And this minister of small business decides, Hey, I've got money. I'm in a nice fancy place that most Canadians can't get to. And even if they could, they couldn't afford a $30 lobster roll and oysters. I'm going to make, I'm going to share my good fortune with my fellow Canadians and make this wonderful little foodie video. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. This foodie Friday, we're here at Charlottetown. We're trying out lobster on the wharf. Who's we? Check out their amazing Who's we? seafood. Um, I'm so excited. For this. Oh yeah. Please show me how nice it is. Oh yeah. Oh, beautiful small businesses, Canadians. Travel. I mean, I know you can't. You can't afford it. Oh, it's, it's, you guys can't afford lobster rolls? But look at it. You can bask with me. You can live vicariously through your member of parliament. Oh, stuff your face. For those of you who are listening on podcast, now we're seeing oysters. Let them eat lobster rolls. And, and by the way, just don't take my word for it, because uh, here we go. These, these were the headlines from 2022. I'm actually giving myself a stomachache. One in five Canadians reported going hungry due to rising food prices. This was from June 6, a year ago. What's the, what's the other uh, headline that they had there? Oh, yeah. Food insecurity in Canada. One in three children risks going to school without breakfast. That's also from... Now, we're February 2022, Reshi Valdez, small business minister. Oh, yeah, the lobster roll? Market price. Let's just say it was give or take $30 for a nice, creamy lobster roll. Suck back a couple of oysters because you're worth it, Reshi. And, um, and let, me, let me just share it with my Canadians. You know, life is good when you're in government. And by, I, I, I focused a lot of my anger and resentment and rage towards the liberal government. They're all pretty much just as bad. But they're not all making videos about it, posting it to Twitter. Hey, I'm just going to share my good fortune. You know, there's that thing called white privilege that we talk about. Well, I'm not white, so it can't be white privilege. It's called political privilege. And my goodness, do the liberals have it up the wazoo. Oh, oh, I'm, re I'm really grasping at straws, am I, Marc Laforet? No, 
if you enjoy watching your elected officials who have been crushing your country, destroying your way of life, impoverishing not just this generation, but the next. If you like seeing them rub their lobster rolls in your face, well, my goodness, you might be one of those people who don't think that you're entitled to respect. Really grasping at straws. No, I am not. This is more likely. True, not rubbing salt in the wounds. And you know what the funny thing is? Let her eat, let her drink champagne and let her eat oysters. If I don't know that she's doing it, she can eat what she wants. The, 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 the lack of judgment it takes to say, hey, maybe my one in five uh, fellow hungry Canadians wants to see me eating lobster. Maybe the one in three school children that skips a meal wants to see me eating lobster while I'm on a government retreat in Prince Edward Island. Let them eat lobster rolls. <sighs> okay, deep breath, people. Uh, we have a show tonight, as we do pretty much every Sunday. I was a little under the weather yesterday. I w- in the morning... I caught a, an alligator gar with my bare hands. Let's just, let's just watch this because it's fantastic. Um, this happened yesterday. Now, here, here's what happened yesterday. It actually finally happened. For those of you who have been following me for more than a year, you know I've been trying to do this for a year. And it it's happened happen yesterday. Now. It's recording. Watch what happens. Oh, this is not a gratuitous selfie. Sometimes to grab the fish, you have to have two things on each hand. Watch what happens here. I got a small one. For those of you who are listening on podcast, Viva has taken off his shirt. For some reason, he's putting a sock on his hand. What's he doing? He's kneeling down into a Florida pond. He puts his hand in the water. He, oh, he gets a grip on something that shakes his head and he pulls out a a spotted guard. Look, I've been I've been trying to do this for a year, for a year. Okay. It tried to bite me. It tried to. It did try to bite. Hold on, hold on. Come look at this. this terrible terrible look at this camera work. Look at look this at that thing. mouth. Are we gonna keep? Absolutely not. Keep it. Look at this. Can I touch I him? I finally yeah, touch him. Feel it. Feel this armor. This plate. is a spotted garfish, people. Armor plate. Oh. Finally caught like fiberglass sharp teeth. Back up so you can just see how beautiful this is. It smells like fish. Yes, it smells like very fishy smelling fish. This thing can, it lives in low oxygen water. It's got, I'm not touching its mouth, but get in close to its mouth so you can see. You can see those sharp teeth. It's finally happened. It's been a year. Back up and get it. It's been a year in the making. And I finally, I'm going to throw it in. It's off. Now watch this, watch this. It knows where the water is. Okay, well, I'm just going to put it back in. Oh my goodness. Look at this thing. Prehistoric. Okay. Oh, it's amazing. You ready? And I've been trying to grab one of those. What did you learn? <laughs> Beware. So I caught that alligator garfish with my bare hands. And then, sure enough, yesterday evening, I wasn't feeling too well. Now, my wife calls me up in the middle of the afternoon. She says, Viva, Dave, I think I'm sick. And I was like, oh, geez. You know, now that you mention it, I'm not feeling too good either way. And my goodness, if my wife hadn't been sick simultaneously, I would have thought that I got some swamp bug that was going to kill me. Um... So that's it. If I look a little tired, that's why. Uh, But we've got a a banger. The world's going crazy. The world is going crazy. There's nothing anybody can say that's going to make sense about this. You've got got, uh, Canadian politicians scarfing down lobster rolls. You've got the U.S. government going after Elon Musk. Uh, You've got the U.S. government. Oh, they're talking about bringing back lockdowns. And you got Joe Biden talking about another jab. That's, I think everyone's, we're going to have a, this time it's going to work. This time it's going to actually, Okay, but before we get into any of that, you may have uh, Trump is now unstoppable. You've got 
You've got Trump CGI, not CGI. What's the word I'm looking for? GPT AI rap. That's in the, the, the Trump song. It's top 15 on Apple Tunes or iTunes or whatever, Apple Music. Though it, never would I have thought we'd be living in a time absolutely so crazy. Would I like to go back to the childhood, running through people's backyards, jumping on fences? Maybe. But the world's going crazy. And like someone said earlier, it's Sanity Sunday, except it's Insanity Sunday. Now, before we get into anything for the evening, people, you may have noticed as you were coming in here, it said this video contains a paid promotion, which it does. And tonight is Field of Greens, people. Uh, Fieldofgreens.com, promo code VIVA, 15% off your first order. Field of Greens is desiccated greens. Most of you don't know. I don't know why there's a flower pot in the back there. I don't know if that's supposed to be the fruits and vegetables that you're supposed to eat. Most people don't know you're supposed to have between five and seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables daily. I have that all the time. But most people do not have their raw, their servings of raw fruits and vegetables. They don't eat enough fiber. They don't get the nutrients, the antioxidants from fruits and vegetables, and people don't lead healthy lives. One easy way to make up for that lack of healthy day dietary daily intake, fieldofgreens.com, desiccated greens, powdered greens. Uh, let me see here. It says USDA organic, as you can see from this picture here. Let's just zoom in. Can we zoom in on this? Yeah, there we go. USDA organic, real organic superfood. You take one spoonful twice a day. One spoonful is a serving of fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's a healthy habit. It's got the antioxidants. It's the next best thing to eating the raw fruits and vegetables, which everybody should nonetheless do. But instead of sucking back one of those disgusting diet Cokes or those do you know a Red Bull has 27 grams of added sugar? That's 50% of your daily intake of sugar in one, how many, how many milligrams, uh, milliliters, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Get rid of that crap. One spoonful in a glass of water twice a day. It looks like swamp water, but it tastes delicious. It's got one serving of fruits and vegetables twice a day. You're already two out of five. You're about 38% of your way towards your daily intake of raw fruits and vegetables. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code VIVA for 15% off your first order. Okay, now, uh, thank you very much, by the way. The link is in the pin. The link is in the description, and uh, go do it. It's a good, healthy habit to get into. Uh, standard disclaimers. Jeez, I almost forgot. Here we go. Cheryl Gage, Viva, if you'll get a tattoo of Trump's mugshot, I'll pay for it. I think my father would probably kill me, not because of the Trump tattoo, just because of uh, any tattoo. Um... But who knows? I think if anybody's going to get it, maybe Roger Stone will get one on the front of Trump. I'm joking because Roger Stone's got the Richard Nixon on the back. No, if I ever get a tattoo, I think I know what it's going to be, but I'll keep it to myself for now. Cheryl Gage, thank you for the super chat. Now, standard disclaimers, all of these beautiful things here that you see, these highlighted $5 whatever or the in Euro Canadian, YouTube takes 30% of all of this. So if you want to support the work that I do, the work that Robert Barnes and I do. The best way to do it is vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Seven bucks a month, 70 bucks a year. Or some people actually, you know, give us more because they so appreciate the work that we do. That's the best way to do it. We are simultaneously streaming on Rumble, which I should have made sure that we are in fact doing. Let me just refresh here. Uh, Rumble has these things called Rumble Rants. Are we live on Rumble? Oh, we are. Okay, good. Uh, and Rumble ordinarily takes 20% of that, but for the rest of the year, they're taking 0%. They'll go back to their 20% next year. So Rumble rants on Rumble. VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com. Seven bucks a year. You can support us there, but I'll read all of these. Oh, sorry. Let the salt flow, Viva. But yeah, the governments the world over are corrupt and criminal. Wait until I get into the next one. It's, uh, Lane Mack, how you doing? Will it only be two weeks to stop the spread? 
It's like, it's, it's so absurd. They want to do the same failed policies that they did the last time. And don't take my word for it. The Guardian just put out, the Guardian put out, um, oh crap, now I can hear myself. Hold on, now I hear myself? Did I stop? This is so annoying. Where is it? Where's the video that I can... Here it is, here it is. Okay, it was on YouTube. Um, they want to they wanna roll out the same failed policies again. <sighs> here, look at this, guys. This is it. This is just amazing. But, uh, 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 okay, the date. August 24th, 2023. That, that was the day before yesterday. No, the day before the day before yesterday. The Guardian puts out an article. It says lockdowns and masks unequivocally, quote, they're not, they're not saying it because this is how fake news rolls. They never say anything on their own. They just cite someone else so that they can literally say A and not A, depending on the day, depending on the expert, depending on whatever bullshit narrative they want to put forward on that given day. August 24th, 2023, the day before, the day before yesterday, this is the narrative. Lockdowns and face masks unequivocally cut spread of COVID, report finds. Royal Society review looks at non-pharmaceutical interventions when applied in packages of several measures. That's what they said in August, three days ago, 2023. What did they say in uh, January 2022? Britain got it wrong on COVID. Long lockdown did more harm than good, scientists, says scientists. So again, they're not saying anything. They're just quoting this scientist now in 2022 when they got to start backpedaling and saying, holy shit, we just locked down for like an extended period of time, two weeks to two months to two years. Massive problems with, with, with self-harm of children, uh, people missing all sorts of doctor's appointments. Holy crap, we might have just actually uh, seriously damaged a generation. Let's start walking it back. But we're not going to say anything because we don't want to make a mistake and we don't want to say that we said anything. So we're going to quote this scientist now. But some of you out there who like licking the boots that are suffocating you at the neck will say, they just said long lockdowns did more harm than good, not lockdowns did more harm than good. Oh, well, let's go to this other one. What did they say here? I forget the date. This is 2022. Evidence grows of lockdown harm to the young, but we act as if nothing happened. Martha Gill. Let's just go back to, oh, that's right. Lockdowns and face masks unequivocally cut spread of COVID. Report finds. Gaslighters, liars, and criminals. That's it. Oh, but you gotta be nice. You gotta be nice to them, Dave. You gotta be polite. Say thank you, sir. May I have another? Please don't lock me down as much as you locked me down the last time. The curfews. Please do it again. Curfews. Face masks. You you'll have to look up all of the things that I'm about to list off right now. In Quebec, they had to recall tens of thousands of masks because they contained a potentially toxic graphene particle. Daycare teachers, one, you know, one who I knew personally, who I don't think will talk to me anymore because that's how far down the, the brainwashed mill they've gone, came up to me on the street sobbing because they had been wearing one of these blue and white face masks and it always felt like they had cat hairs in the back of their throats. And now they find out that they've all been recalled because of a potentially toxic graphene. That's if they're potentially toxic. Then you get humans finding plastic particles deep in their lungs for the first time ever. Nobody knows why. Then you find out that you're not supposed to wear these disgusting masks for eight hours a day. That even when they're done properly, you're supposed to change them every four hours. You think kids are changing their disgusting, filthy face? No. You find one in your back pocket. Like, oh, that's been there for a little while. I'll put that on my face. Okay. That's if they, that's even when they don't, even when they're not potentially toxic. 
they're potentially damaging. I talk to dentists who talk about cavities in kids' mouths because of the keeping in the bacteria. They call it mask mouth because you get acne, or they call it mask knee as well. That's the masks. Then the lockdowns. You want to get down to the lockdowns? Are they going to compare to Sweden now? Or they've stopped talking about Sweden? Okay, I just saw Robert come into the backdrop, so I'm going to bring him in because I'm going to, I, I, can, I can go. I'm tired. I'm cranky. My stomach hurts. And nothing that I'm seeing in the news or the world is making me feel any better. Maybe Robert's, maybe Robert's good good will make me feel better. Okay, I didn't get to all the stuff in the back, but I'll save it for tomorrow. All right, let's bring this in. Robert, sir, three, two, how do I share here? Share, add to screen, sir. How goes the battle? Good, good. Robert, it's not getting any better. You said it would get better two years ago. <laughs> you said like, oh, how crazy can the world go? I remember, I remember talking to my dad in March, March, April, 2020. He was like, yeah, you know, people are going a little crazy. They're panicking. It's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. And what we're going to cover tonight from the Trump mugshot to Elon being sued in the lawfare against Twitter. Um, Robert, what's over your shoulder? What book do you have tonight? Uh, yeah, the uh, book of the month club uh, for uh, vivabarneslaw.locals.com. I'm uh, reading alive, uh, aloud, <laughs> alive too, <laughs> the, uh, the chapters of Common Sense by Thomas Paine, and then we'll be doing a breakdown in the final uh, book club review. So that's the, uh, the, the book. And then that's uh, Carrie Lake sent me her, uh, her autobiography that she recently did. That's a you know, nice uh, uh, kind of a letter in the front of it. Uh, so that that's what that one is. Fantastic. Free Spirit says, Viva, don't blow a gasket. I, I, I've been a little irritable because uh, tell you, it, it, yeah, I'll, I'll feel better tomorrow. Uh, Robert, do we want to go over the the items on the menu real quick? Absolutely. So our bonus topic off the top is the war on farmers that's taking place. Uh, and a little reminder of, you know, how the Amos Miller case went and what people can do to continue to help in that matter. Uh, the uh, Biden sues uh, Elon SpaceX uh, because he's hiring Americans. Apparently, that's illegal, according to the Biden administration. Uh, Pfizer uh, has proven just what corporate sleazy lawyers that they are uh, as they try to illicitly intimidate uh, me, uh, co-counsel and whistleblower Brooke Jackson. Uh, we'll talk about that one. There's a scheduling conference in uh, in Beaumont, Texas on Monday. I can't be there because I'm limited by doctor's orders from traveling at the moment but uh, due to a foot injury. But uh, my co-counsel, uh, Warner Mendenhall and uh, Alexis Anderson will be there. And whoever the whatever bums Pfizer sends. The uh, uh, 11th Circuit, uh, big win on trans treatment laws on the Alabama case. Uh, and we'll unite that with a the most popular request for a new case on our board, which was the Maryland federal court decision about parents not even getting notified or having any opt-out rights to having their four-year-olds be read books about trans and lesbians and gay behavior and all the rest. Uh, yeah, welcome to Maryland public schools. Uh, we'll talk about the Trump mugshot, the mugshot heard around the world. Uh, Jeffrey Clark's excellent uh, removal petition in that case and where people can continue to support. Uh, he, he's the best lead uh, defendant in the Georgia indictment cases concerning Trump. Uh, the denial of bail because Democrats see a black man that supports Trump, so they got to lock him up. 
uh, and the interference or the orchestrated conspiratorial interference with the right to counsel by the D.C. federal courts in another Trump case. Uh, Gannett, Gannett, or however they say their name, the owner of USA Today has been sued for reverse discrimination. Uh, Biden, uh, his shadow immigration policies, his mass pardons, his mass paroles go on trial this week in federal court in Texas. Uh, the Prigozhin murder. I have a hush-hush on it, so we won't go into too deep a dive, but we'll give you just a little bit of a sneak peek of what that might look like. Hawaii fire. The lawsuits have already begun uh, as they commence. The homeless get extended protection in San Francisco from a federal court. Santa Monica, a uh, voting rights win for Latino activists. Uh, the issues of religious-based adoption agencies in Tennessee. And a couple of bonus cases. Uh, Spirit got caught charging bogus baggage fees. And what does Christmas light look like in Tennessee? It, it's actually a case concerning someone named Christmas. Uh, fantastic. Now, Robert, so we're going to start on the war on the Amish. And it's fascinating. I'm going to mix up the names here. It's not Amos, but the um, the other one who's... The cattle farmer in Virginia. It's like I'm trying not to get conspiratorial and I'm not I'm trying not to think the government really is out there <laughs> to crush small business to have full control over every aspect of your life. They've gone after another Amish farmer because they're not um oh what's the, they're not getting USDA um certification for the butchering of their meat and Apparently, this all started uh, pre. Well, it started with COVID because when COVID hit, they had to travel too far distances to get their USDA stamps or whatever the approval is. That means that they just have to pay a government official between what did they say, eighty bucks and two hundred and seventy bucks an hour to come yeah. and certify the slaughter uh, for whatever that means. So what ended up happening is this company, an Amish farmer who 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 sells only to the same type of membership base that he has. He doesn't sell outside of the state, except to the extent that people come in to buy it and then leave with it, uh, was compliant with whatever USDA requirements they needed to have back in the day before COVID, but it became too costly to be compliant afterwards. Wasn't selling out of the state, so didn't think that he has to comply with any of these interstate, uh, uh, are they violative interstate rules of commerce or whatever, uh, but then, you know, gets uh, all of his meat, all of his, all of his, all of his, uh, his stash seized, not seized, actually. At first, they just froze it, yep. tagged yeah, it up. They, well, yeah, they, they physically seized it, but kept it on location and then went and later seized it, seized it. They, they, they kept it on location, told him that you, they bagged it, tagged it, put it in locker. I, I guess it goes bad because it doesn't stay good forever. They said, you can't eat this. You can't sell this. You can't even use it to feed your family. And this Amish farmer's like, Fuck you, and and uses it to feed his family. He said and then, he's Amish, so he didn't use that word. He said, "Bring it, come <laughs> Well, uh, from what I read in this uh, about this whole story, the uh, I, I don't know if he said the Amish don't follow rules, or someone said the Amish don't follow. Someone the rules. else did, yeah. Um, he said, "Forget this. I'm going to feed it to my family, and once I'm doing that, I'm going to sell it to whoever in the club wants to buy it." And then they came in, then they seized it. They're trying to put him out of business. Uh, it's exactly and charging him with crimes now. So I, I've, I've given the 30,000 foot overview, Robert, um, for those who think that the government is, is after every aspect of your life, but in the unhealthiest way possible, uh, what, what can you tell them to tell them that they're wrong or are they in fact right? And this is just egregious. The, uh, and there's also a good article up at the Mises Institute, uh, where our good mutual friend, Thomas Woods often speaks on behalf of. The uh, you know the Thomas Woods podcast is very good. Comes from the the libertarian, but more of a populist Murray Rothbard style libertar libertarianism. 
And they are documenting how the Biden administration is clearly waging war on small farmers in America. And they target the Amish because the Amish don't bring suits. They don't believe in it. My mom's old principle about Christians not suing. Uh, and then, and they also uh, don't seek publicity. They believe public attention or their photograph even being taken, their appearance on a show, uh, is drawing attention to themselves, and it's not and it's not part of their religious or cultural beliefs. And so that's what makes them easy targets for the federal government and the state government. In this case, the state of Virginia is the one harassing this particular cattle farmer. Uh, but I have no doubt there are uh, people within. Uh, the FSIS, the USDA, and these various state agencies uh, implementing a Biden administration policy to try to run out of business small farmers, and they're starting and targeting as the template to go after everybody else, Amish farmers, because of the reasons I mentioned. And so for those that don't remember, we were here a year ago today, thereabouts, uh, when Amos Miller, the news stories broke that Amos Miller, the Amish farmer in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, was beat, was facing federal prison, contempt charges, bankrupting charges, a monetary judgment to take away his farm, add it to his wife, so take away anything he could ever own, his wife could ever own, family could ever own, uh, all concerning him making meat and products that his customers wanted. Now, uh, here we are a year later, and those contempt charges have all been dismissed. He never served a day in jail. Those contempt fines were dramatically reduced. He's back in uh, business, uh, and he's able to sell and market meat, chicken, uh, that he's that right now it's from other farms. That's USDA inspected, but is doesn't have some of the problematic aspects that, like the Virginia cattle farmer, many of his customers don't want certain chemicals on their meat. Some of them, it's not a matter of don't want, it's a matter of can't. Uh, for health and medical reasons, as detailed in the town hall article, some of them have to have it the way he makes it, not the way the USDA wants it. Uh, but it shows the broader pattern that's afoot. And, you know, thanks to people rallying to Amos Miller's cause, uh, we were able to to get a much better outcome than what he was on pace for and what this Virginia farmer faces. But the fact that it keeps accelerating and escalating across the country makes the Amos Miller case, it was town hall referenced the Amos Miller case being the, the, sentinel, the sentinel case in this context. And in this respect, if you want to continue to help Amos Miller, there's an easy way to do so. Free America Law Center that's providing support for it. I helped found Free America Law Center uh, for Amos Miller's defense and for other future farmers like him. Uh, then you can actually, right now, you can go to the top of, uh, there's a pinned uh, post at the very top, right, like the first, second, or third post at vivabarnslock.locals.com. That'll give you a link, or you can go to the top of my Twitter, the pinned tweet, and you can go to Amos Miller's Organic Farm, and you can buy for, for basically 99 bucks. You're going to be supporting it, and he'll send you a delicious homemade bottle of Blackberry Jam. It's called, it's called a Amer Preserve America Justice Jam, appropriately titled and named. So that's how you can directly support them, directly uh, help them, and continue to stay engaged because that's going to be the only thing that restrains the Biden administration and, and state governments aligned uh, from crushing small farmers, which isn't just about small farmers. It's about your and my right to eat what we want, to put in our body what we want. That's what they're trying to take away from us.
No, but, and re, the, in the article, they were talking about how some people say it's not just food, it's medicine. I don't want to have stuff with antibiotics. I don't want to have stuff with preservatives. Uh, what was it? Uh, sodium nitrate. Oh, there's tons of these chemicals that either the government has even admitted are toxic causing chemicals, are toxic chemicals, or cancerous chemicals that the USDA requires be poured onto food. So the, I mean, I mean, it, it's, uh, and again, this is, I mean, Amos Miller, as an example, makes food the way his pop pappy made it, grandpappy made it, great grandpappy made it, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, it's, it's in great great grandpappy, and on for and on and on, goes all the way back. His his family goes back to some of the very original Amish that settled in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, centuries ago, and so it makes no sense that people who want food the way he makes it. And he's me making food that has never been documented to ever be unsafe anywhere, any place, at any time, in any legal proceeding. Uh, they mislabel this food adulterated. To most ordinary people, adulterated is putting a bunch of chemical crap on it like the USDA wants. Um, there's been a lot more recalls from big corporate farmers than there's ever been from Amish farmers. Uh, so, you know, the but it, it's the it's part of a broader a war. Just like the war to take away people's Second Amendment rights, where they're also targeting the Amish as the temple temp, uh, template to do so. Uh, all of those things are part of a broader pattern. You know, the Biden administration talking about bringing back mask mandates, bringing back vaccine mandates. Uh, apparently now they get a new vaccine, which yep, I guess is a good uh, transition into the latest insanity from Pfizer in the Brooke Jackson case. Do, we'll do that on Rumble, actually, not because I'm scared of anything, but because it's been a half an hour and we can now tell YouTube to go piss off after having after having nuked Jason Levine's channel, my, my friend who's doing a lot of good Canadian journalism. Uh, but hold on, there was one question before we do that, Robert. How, do, how do, does this regulation get past the interstate commerce clause where if, if, if the Amish farmer or if anybody is only doing business within the state, they're not selling outside of the state. Why does the Fed have any jurisdiction in what that business does within the state, within the state law? Two reasons. Some of the states adopted the federal laws application. And the other reason is the Supreme Court has not meaningfully enforced the limitation on interstate commerce. So they basically consider this goes back to a wheat farmer case a long time ago where a wheat farmer just I mean, and if he simply chose not to do something, he was somehow violating federal law, right? It's like, hold on a second. How is it not trading something, not selling something, not making something, not planning something uh, could could uh, could somehow be a uh, violate federal interstate commerce law? It's because the Supreme Court during the New Deal era overreacted. They overreacted initially in trying to suppress New Deal legislation, and then they overreacted in green lighting New Deal uh, legislation. And they basically eviscerated the interstate commerce clause and made everything interstate commerce. All right. And uh, th that's what one of the chemicals, one of the chemicals or the products was to make the meat look red. And so it's 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 just atrocious. OK, we're going to go to Rumble right now. Link is here. I've shared the link to the jam. I'll keep sharing that periodically as we go. Um, my wife wants to order the jam, so I think it's a it's a no brainer. Everybody, we're ending on Rumble. No, we're not. We're ending on YouTube, heading over to Rumble. And then after Rumble, we have our after Rumble party at Locals, vivabarnslaw.locals.com. So come over to Rumble right now. I'm ending on YouTube in three, two, one, now. All right, Robert, what, tell the world what the heck is going on with Pfizer and coming after you personally. Are they, are they crazy? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. So the, uh, 
So uh, the for those that don't know, uh, uh, Brooke Jackson filed a whistleblower claim. It's called a Key Tam or False Claims Act claim uh, years ago in the fall of 2020. Uh, she was one of the uh, people reviewing the Pfizer clinical trials concerning the COVID-19 vaccine. She witnessed extraordinary deviation from the the required safety and efficacy trial protocols that have basically eviscerated the ability of Pfizer to claim that the vaccine is either safe or effective. So she uh, brought, and when she brought that to the attention of the higher ups at Pfizer, uh, she was uh, summarily terminated. And then a lot of other anomalies took place. I mean, there was mail issues, there was phone issues, there was issues that suggested Pfizer was up to more than that. The uh, <clears throat> the U.S. government promised to take uh, corrective action, sat on the case for about a year, and once the Biden administration was fully in power, they ran for cover, hid under their desks, and decided they wouldn't uh, prosecute the case. She uh, uh, then retained new counsel, uh, which was uh, me and Warner Mendenhall and my uh, co-counsel, Lexis Anderson. And we public, and you know, the case was unsealed. And so we published to the world what was happening. And since that has happened, Pfizer's stock has taken a dramatic decline. Since that has happened, and why? Because so many Americans uh, stopped taking the vaccine. And apparently, I think people at Pfizer uh, blame uh, Brooke Jackson and us discussing the case in public for that reason. They would like us to keep the case a secret, but that was never going to happen. Throughout the case, they've, in my view, attempted to intimidate and uh, uh, me and her uh, by, by making uh, uh, unjustified attacks uh, and trying to illicitly uh, prejudice and influence the court in ways outside the, what the rules provide for. So the court initially dismissed the case, uh, and then we sought motion for the court to reconsider, effectively, relief from judgment, and to allow us to amend, uh, and the judge granted it. The judge said, you know, it looked like there was legitimate issues concerning whether Pfizer, that there were claims that could be made and allegations that could be stated that could support a claim, and so allowed us amendment. During when we filed our uh, to motion to amend, Pfizer said nothing about having a problem with the amended complaint uh, as to anything they thought was legally or factually without a ba any basis. Uh, then there's a scheduling conference that was held this past week. Again, Pfizer, to my knowledge, said nothing on that settlement conference. They say nothing in writing. And so the uh, between counsel, not, and uh, we submit a joint uh, scheduling statement. Again, Pfizer doesn't raise any issue. And then on the Friday afternoon, almost at five o'clock, right before the court closes, Pfizer sends one of their letters to the court. Now, the local rules don't authorize this at all. The federal rules don't authorize this at all. And this is patently unethical, unprofessional conduct by the sleaze bags that represent Pfizer. And in it, they make personal attacks on the First Amendment expression of me. The uh, and on Brooke Jackson that appears to be nothing more than an illicit effort to intimidate or to use some language we'll be talking about later, conspiring to deprive people of their civil rights, misusing and abusing federal judicial power to do so. The most laughable and absurd part of Pfizer's uh, sleazy claim, and again, this was just to try to inflame the judge right before the uh, scheduling conference on Monday. 
They, uh, they violate the rules about meeting and conferring. They violate the rules of certification of conferencing. They violate the rules because they didn't file this as a motion. They violate the rules in how any pleading or document is supposed to be just, filed. Just, I'll pause it there just so that people can fully understand just how egregious this is. Ex parte communications with the judge are, are a big fat no-no. This, what they're saying is, well, we're just, I'm just going to send a letter to the judge. I'm going to CC opposing counsel, but I'm basically going to talk directly to the judge outside of the court through no proper procedural channel so that I can taint the file by making all sorts of wild accusations or you know, insinuations against you and Brooke Jackson's Friday afternoon, knowing that you can do jack squat over the weekend before Monday when you have the settlement, con this not settlement conference, uh, a scheduling conference, which is tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, what did they I mean, say in the letter? Yeah, I mean, so then they so they attack Brooke Jackson for making any statements she's ever made on her uh, Twitter page. I am Brooke Jackson. Uh, the and then they and they attack me just in general. They like to attack me in general. But then they add in. Uh, here's what they say that the amended complaint is without any factual or legal basis whatsoever. Uh, or certain statements within it are, are, are without any basis. And so they're trying to precondition the judge with this overarching Pfizer narrative that says, judge, if you tolerate anything, you, you're, you're part of some wacky conspiracy theory. You don't want to be part of that, judge. So guess what Pfizer's lawyers, Pfizer's lawyers lie and continue to perpetrate a fraud upon the federal court, just like they perpetrated a fraud upon the American people. And they perpetrated that fraud. Remember, Pfizer is the biggest criminal drug dealer in the history of man. That's who they are. And these corporate whores that legally represent them are no are a lot bit of the character from Breaking Bad makes them look like moral. It makes him look like moral icons by comparison, paragons of integrity and ethics by comparison. They state that there could be no factual basis, that no investigation could ever suggest the following three things that ivermectin could be effective against COVID-19, that uh, the vaccine could uh, harm anyone uh, or, uh, or harm the number of people it's harmed, disabilities and cause death in the millions, and, and, and suggesting the vaccine is a gene therapy. They're saying that that is so patently ludicrous, so absurd, so conspiracy theorist, that, that someone like me should be disbarred for even suggesting it in court. Now, these lazy, lying frauds that are the lawyers at Pfizer apparently are unaware that the FDA itself has capitulated on the issue of ivermectin's effectiveness for the treatment of COVID-19. Not only in terms of the safety and efficacy, we'll let the record speak for itself. Why is it excess mortality is going up all around the world wherever Pfizer's max vaccine is being introduced to people uh, in the key target populations? Let's dig into that. The, and then last but not least, the dumbest, the lamest, the most preposterous one is to say that it's utterly absurd to suggest this is a gene therapy. Well, guess who described it as a gene therapy? Freaking Pfizer described it as a gene therapy, The Robert. FDA described it as a gene therapy. Nature Magazine, one of the leading scientific publications in the world, wrote a pro-vaccine article about this vaccine. And guess what they called it? A gene therapy. That, that, so these lawyers are either too stupid to know they're lying or they're just the same kind of fraudulent criminals their, their client is, their gutter-level client is. The reality is an honest attorney general in the Department of Justice wouldn't just join this case. They would put Pros Pfizer out of business for forever and take its lead executives and lock them up in prison for forever.
because these criminal lawyers with these criminal defendants uh, continue to use the same criminal tactics and techniques they're accustomed to getting away with. And without, and I'm not going to tolerate it for half a second. So the uh, it's just who Pfizer is. And I like to say only a stuck pig squeals. Got that statement from an old uh, friend in Arkansas. And uh, Pfizer's mighty squealing about what is more apparent to me than ever that Pfizer was involved in suppressing information about the safety and efficacy of, of ivermectin and other treatments, because unless they did, they never would have got approval for those billions of dollars for their gene therapy, unsafe, dangerous, ineffective drug that was not a vaccine by any definition ordinary Americans or anybody in the world understands. Um. So what happens on Monday now? I, I thought it was more just a procedural, a procedural. That, that's conference. what it should be. But who knows? I mean, these are sleazy lawyers that constantly use these kind of proceedings to ambush the other side. They act like they're high and mighty when they're the liars. They're the frauds. They're the people defending the liars, defending the frauds, defending, in this case, mass murderer Pfizer. That's who and what they are. Uh, so you, you, you never know. So the I can't be there. I wish I could be there, uh, but the uh, we'll see. I, I'm hopeful the judge doesn't tolerate these kind of uh, you know, letters to the court in violation of local rule and federal procedure. But uh, you, you never know. Sometimes judges do something about it. Sometimes they don't. I, I can. Uh, for those who may not know, I, I had 12, 13 years of active practice. I cannot stand this crap. The, where, you, where they write, they write a letter. First of all, the Friday afternoon special is the most irritating thing on earth. And they always do it. Like, it's just like, you just know that they're going to do it if they are a, of a certain uh, ilk of lawyers. Then you have these, it's not ex parte communications with the judge because they CC'd you on it, but they're basically using uh, channels that are not available channels for obvious reasons. Why do we a, have motions? Why do a, we a letter have to meeting? a judge? I want to examine them on the... Oh, you can't examine me on that. It wasn't a motion. It was a letter, a Friday afternoon letter to the judge. I can say whatever the hell I want. You can't accuse me of perjury. I don't have to sign an affidavit for that letter. Oh, Robert, hold on. Let me, let me bring this up because it's classic. Here, let's, 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 let's listen to what Joe Biden has to say about a, the, the next round of vaccines that they might actually work this time. Mr. President, can you say anything about the uptick of COVID cases and new variants? Up, uptick of COVID yes, cases? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to the Congress a request for additional funding for a new vaccine that is necessary, that works. Yeah, check that right there. So apparently Pfizer doesn't know that the president isn't on board with him. Because uh, what does he say? He says he they, we need a new a new vaccine that actually works. That actually works. An Ugh. implicit admission. Well, frankly, an explicit admission that Pfizer's vaccine did wasn't a vaccine and didn't work. The uh uh and that's what the truth is. And they are so desperate to hide the truth that, that they want no discovery to ever occur, they want nobody to ever look into this. They want to gaslight everybody and say, if you believe this, you must be some part of a crazy conspiracy. The conspiracy is their criminal client, the biggest criminal drug dealer in history that just committed mass murder known as Pfizer. That's who these scuzzbag, sleazebag, bottom of the barrel lawyers are. But you know that the state bars are never going to go after them. They're too busy harassing John Eastman for having an opinion about constitutional law. They're trying to disbar him in California. The same corrupt California state bar, and I mean the state bar itself, that covered up for Thomas Girardi and Michael Avenatti for years, years. 
is going after John Eastman and that they won't do anything to these lying uh, Pfizer law lawyers. Uh, so it's just the nature of the animal. It's something you have to prep for and prepare for. That, as you mentioned, if you've been around, you're accustomed to it. But this is what at the bottom of the bed. And these are the so-called ethical, honorable. These are the lawyers the state bar and other people hold up. I mean, th that's what makes the state bars a joke in every single state. Do you hold up these corrupt bottom barrel gutter uh, level bums as your ethical, honorable lawyers? Uh, I've met very few corporate lawyers in my life that were worth uh, uh, much at all, morally, ethically, or otherwise. But these are these are some of the worst scum to deal with. But not surprising that they represents who they're defending, I and they're terrified of the truth coming out. I, I always used to say, and I'll still say it, that you'll always find lawyers have clients that ref, that reflect their personalities and vice versa. And you knew if there was, if you knew a scumbag lawyer, they're going to have a scumbag client. And if you knew a scumbag client, you could predict they're going to have a scumbag lawyer because that's just the way it works. Uh, so we'll follow up with what happens tomorrow, Robert. Before we get, we, we skipped, we're going to go into the Elon Musk in a second, but let me just uh, not fall too far behind on the Humble rants. Real quick, mandatory carry. Good to see you again. Had the, this is, it's the same message, but I'm going to read it every week. Had the founders foreseen the future, they would have written a very different Second Amendment, a well-protected public being necessary to the security of a free state. The duty of the people to keep and bear arms shall be enforced. 491 says, fish on. Viva, my son caught a gar that was four foot long. No sh... Great days. Yeah, there's the, the spotted guard don't get much bigger than that, but then you get the alligator guard that you have in Texas, 300-pound monsters. Uh, Ithaca cloth. Well, I'm going to read that one wrong. I to the C to the E. That's what it is. It's, isn't it good news that a news channel would present multiple views? Yes. Lord Sterling, uh, I recently released Common Censored on Amazon a heavily redacted version of Common Sense to illustrate the dangers of censorship. What if people had never read Common Sense? Boya says, I'm from Irwin, Tennessee. Should I have my mountain spring water sent to gamut, to gummit, to add the neurotoxin flora or, uh, I get what you're saying there. K Campbell 48 says, how can we help Harrison Floyd. Oh, we're going to get there in a second, everybody. Jack Flack, your live show with 10,000 views wasn't on the Rumble Live page. On my feed, keep an eye on that. I think we are now the featured one, which is good. But everybody knows where we are Sunday night. Randy Edward. So what you are saying is Pfizer and Disney use the same lawyers. Does legal mindset know this? Oh, man. It's an, it's an uncanny rule of law. If you know the lawyer is a scumbag, chances are they're going to have a scumbag client and vice versa. Speaking of which, Robert... Not that the DOJ has scumbag lawyers, but the DOJ happens to be suing uh, Elon Musk for not hiring. It's not just not hiring non-Americans, for not hiring refugees and asylum seekers who themselves, I do not believe, have permanent residence, but you'll correct me on the details. No, that, that's correct. To, to, to the prior question about having people with different views on the channel, I had to go watch, it was one of the things I had to do to do my homework, a Fox News presentation. They had one guy out there who was, um, oh, no, was it this story? One guy out there basically defending the Department of Justice. I think I might be getting sorry. It doesn't matter. Yes, having multiple ideas and multiple point of views on one channel is good. Now, with that said, what the, what, Robert, okay. So Elon Musk tweets out, if the DOJ is suing me for not hiring asylum seekers and, um, refugees, they should be suing themselves because they have the exact same criteria for hiring, not a question of green card holders, permanent residents, not refugees, not asylum seekers, because lo and behold, 
Elon Musk makes these sensitive things called rockets, which can carry payloads, which if you have people who are in there trying to steal technology, engage in terroristic behavior, not that asylum seekers and refugees are spies or terrorists, but there is a certain degree of security that you have to go through in the Department of Justice when working with classified information, when working with secret information. Elon Musk is not hiring refugees and asylum seekers, and they're going after him for this. Um, Robert, I mean, it, it really feels like what we saw uh, Obama's administration going after the Tea Party, you know, sicking the IRS on them. This is a full weaponization of every aspect of government against ideological adversaries. Where is the even remotely potential legally justified basis for this suit against Elon? Well, I mean, they, they might actually, they probably will win this. Uh, it's, I mean, I didn't even know this office existed in these, in these contexts. So this case isn't actually filed in court. It's filed in the Executive Office for Immigration Review, the Office for the Chief Administrative Hearing. Doesn't that sound like some sort of like Brazil, the movie? You know, I mean, I was like, like some Orwellian thing. It's like, what, what exactly? I was like, what in the world is this? And it turns out Congress gave them a limited, gave them special authority to discipline employers concerning whether employers, but even though the most of it was supposed to be on employer, employers violating immigration law, this instead was about employers discriminating against immigrants, which is, well, you know, they, they snuck that in somehow in the 1986 bill, classic, you know, uh, politicians. Uh, because I don't think, uh, everybody's appointed, the prosecutor's appointed by Biden, the judge is appointed by Biden. The appeals court, of the you know immigration folks are, are appointed by Biden, so it's like uh, what the uh, so we'll see if there's some constitutional challenges now. You though SpaceX would get to challenge that opinion ultimately in the court of appeals, not a district court. Mm -hmm. um, but here's what it is: uh, certain protected individuals are uh, you cannot uh, discriminate against if you are an employer with a certain number of employees, and. Uh, the and that includes someone who has received asylum or refugee status from the U.S. government. Now, as you note, Musk's understanding and SpaceX's understanding was that only green card holders and citizens could they could hire because of all the laws governing arms control and national security issues. According to the DOJ, that law had been changed. Not sure exactly where or when but that now you are considered a U.S. person under those laws if you're a designated asylum uh, recipient or refugee. That, I mean, whoever did that should have been much more careful. We should not have, it's one, we don't want, also, as someone who supports asylum, broad asylum rights, we don't want asylum decisions contaminated by a judge thinking, oh, I better be careful because now I, I'm giving this person a right to a national security job. Right. And we want them just looking at their qualifications for asylum, not their qualifications to be in national security suddenly mm -hmm. because of the risk that could pose. Um, and yet somehow, if the DOJ is right, now that's a big question, because clearly Musk has been advised that DOJ is wrong. But if the DOJ is right, then somebody in Congress screwed up uh, by by sneaking that in uh, to allowing uh, people to, to get national security clearance effectively. Uh, for employment purposes, uh, just as soon as they get refugee or asylum status. So the, the but right now, if the DOJ is right about that aspect of the law, then DOJ wins. If they're wrong, Elon wins. 
It's, fa it's fantastic. But then uh, they should be implementing the same policy themselves. So you're going to have refugees and asylum seekers who are declared. What was it? They had to be recognized as asylum. Yeah. Uh, as asylum you have to win that. You, okay. Not just be an applicant. You've got to win it. Now, the thing is, the Biden administration, I mean, this will skip ahead to a, a different topic, but it's probably related. So worth it. To give the idea of what the Biden administration has been doing, they've been mass paroling illegals and giving them the equivalent of a guaranteed job for two years. And they say, as long as you come back, uh, as long as you go back to your home country two years from now, have at it here in the U.S. And that's what's going to trial. America first, uh, the state of Texas, the attorney general that helped bring that suit to the state of Texas. They're now trying to, the, the corrupt rhinos in the Texas state Senate are trying to impeach. Uh, and convict and and keep out of power. Uh, but that case, but America First Legal was also part of that case. So they made sure it marched forward. But uh, the media is not talking about it. But basically, they detail in the bench trial to come there down in Texas in federal court this week that there has been a, uh, here's how it's working. So it's what a lot of people suspected connected to George Soros and others. These NGOs are going to foreign countries recruiting people to come here to the United States. Then they sponsor them here in the United States. And under Biden's mass parole policy, as long as you have a sponsor, boom, you got permission to go do whatever you want for a couple of years. So it's a massive scam uh, to massively uh, bring in uh, immigrants, illegally, really, really illegal. They're just not called illegal exactly, uh, to the United States. Uh, and inflate uh, the labor market and serve certain political purposes. And then you got states like Illinois and other states wanting to hire them as police officers uh, as, as the latest nutty thing out there. I mean, why, all right, so we want to hire them in national security, hire them to be police. Why don't we just turn our whole government over to them while we're at it? The, uh, but I'll say this, uh, e even illegals from Central America probably wouldn't be as bad a banana republic as the Biden administration is. No, it's it's it enact policy social pressure that makes it impossible for people to be police in in America. Re resignations en masse, and then oh well, we we need police, we need cheap labor, so let's import. It's it's almost by design, Robert. Um, mm, indeed. All right, now so do we? We're going to skip back. We're going to go to um, do we? We'll do the trans law. Speaking of 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 uh, by design. Okay, what's what state was it again? Alabama. Alabama. So you Alabama. See what judge wrote the opinion? Uh, no, who was it? Judge Lagoa, the judge I recommended instead of Amy Coney Barrett. So the Alabama had passed a law which seemed relatively, it, I, reading the text of the legislation, I won't bring it up now, but it said pretty well drafted. It said you, you're not going yeah, to be this allowed. Was better, better drafted than some of the other state laws, to be honest, yeah, have been. It, 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 was, it, it was, didn't try to get into certain places. It just said no puberty, no puberty blockers or, or, or hormones to change people's gender if they're little kids. And that was the important uh, distinction because everybody says, well, they use, uh, they use puberty blockers for precocious periods. Yes, that's to ensure a normal transition, a normal growth, not to stunt the natural growth. So they said you can't use these drugs for the purposes of affecting a change of sex. And as much as that's even conceptually possible, it was a well-drafted piece of legislation. It got an emergency. Which you don't always say about the state of Alabama. 
I'm, I'm from Tennessee, so I always have to make jokes about Alabama. Well, it was it was better drafted than last year. We ones. beat him, so uh, you know I, I actually have bragging rights for the first time in forever. I got a Green Bay Packer football at the airport on the way out of uh, Ah, yeah, that's right. You're up, uh, up in Brewtown. It was it, sad what you reported about Milwaukee. I spent it, many it, years there. It, so Robert, it sounds like it's a shithole now. It, it's um. Well, I, I didn't go out of the downtown core, but even there, like people, are like yeah, don't don't walk too far. And then I'm, I'm I go to read this guy Victor Shi on on Twitter. He says I just had a ride with an Uber, and he was so happy that Biden allowed him to forgive his debt. Now he's 20 years paying his debt. He's free. It's like first of all, that never happened. Talk to an actual Uber or taxi driver. They don't share those stories. Um, okay, so the, the Alabama drafted the legislation. It was well drafted. It got an injunction to stay the application of the law because they said the lower court found a constitutional right to the type of medical intervention that trans kids were claiming they had a constitutional right to. Court of Appeal comes in and says, no, there's no constitutional right in the U.S. Constitution that says children get to take these puberty blockers to trans uh, their sexes. So there's no constitutional right to that effect. So they implemented the wrong uh, level standard of review. It wasn't uh, what was strict the, uh, scrutiny. It wasn't it strict. Was, it was rational basis. I figured. What, well, you, you'll you'll flesh out the legalese. Uh, go on from there because the Canadian can only do so much. Yeah. So I mean, there's I have a little bit of concerns with uh, aspects of the opinion on the edges, but I thought the opinion stayed within the lines to a degree that it didn't cause some of the problems that the Sixth Circuit did with its too broad language. So this is all about whether under the under the Fourteenth Amendment due process clause, you have your right to. Uh, you know, life, liberty, and property under due process of law. There's procedural rights and substantive rights. And the substantive rights include anything protected in the Constitution for the most part, and any fundamental right. And a fundamental right is something that's long been recognized as a, uh, as a right. So the, the main quote from the main Supreme Court case that includes, here's what you're, fu- you have a fundamental right to the common occupations to make a living, acquire useful knowledge, marry, establish a home, bring up children, and any other privilege long recognized at common law as essential orderly pursuit of happiness of free men. So as part of that, there's been plenary authority given to parents for the upbringing of their children. This suit said the state is overriding me as a parent right to do it. Now, because it was brought by liberals, they weren't willing to assert a broad parental right. They said, as long as the medical community agrees, then, you know, as long as the professional class green lights it, then I, as a parent, should have this right. And their point was that the court did a pretty good job of not eviscerating parental rights like some of the other conservative courts have done in this context. Uh, And instead said, look, this is very specific. Uh, Do you have a right to uh, a gender changing uh, treatment? And since and, and historically that has not existed. And so consequently, that your that the parents right to govern and guide the child doesn't extend that far. The most concerning language is stuff that and they limited this language, but it's still there. This is why conservatives should be not be too eager to embrace some of these laws or think through exactly what we're doing. Uh, quote, the state can override parents where health or safety is concerned. Mm-hmm. That it's like, well, that's what the vaccine mandators think, too. So that's where figuring out where that balance is, what power we want to give the state uh, to override parents is something that needs to be thought through. Now, on the flip side, in Maryland, uh, they they decided they're going to read, let's just call what it is, pervert books to four year olds. 
and uh, they call them pride books, but it's got all kinds of just disgusting stuff in it. And ask your five-year-old to find the underwear in a drag drag parade, okay? Well, well what's relevant about that to a five-year-old? So historically, in Maryland, this is Montgomery County, this is where all the commies that work for the government live, that in Northern Virginia and D.C., uh, you know, you know, maybe Goldwater was right. We need to sell it off and send them out. The uh, but the uh, uh, historically, you as a parent had a right to notice anything that could impact your religious beliefs or that concerned just sexuality or those kind of topics in general being taught to your kid, and you had a right to opt out. Montgomery County decided to take both away from you, so now you don't even know when your five year old is being read pervert stuff related to. Uh, very related to topics of sexuality and gender identity and the like. And so they brought suit and the liberal judge uh, said, oh, no, you have no religious rights to even get notice of this happening in your school. No, no right to opt out. It's good for your kid to learn these topics. The judge went on and on because they, these liberals can't help themselves. They, they can't pretend they're really doing constitutional analysis. They always have to lecture in their opinions. We'll get to that when we get to the Biden judges covering for Google against both Robert Kennedy and the Republican National Committee. Uh, But that's what the but you see the different side of the equation saying the state can do whatever they want and get away with it in a certain context in the Maryland case. So I think the 11th Circuit case mostly right. The big part, I think they're definitely right on. They say trans is not a suspect class And, and having a treatment about gender identity doesn't make it a gender discrimination treatment. And I think they're absolutely right on both of those. I think they're mostly right on on no right to trans medical procedures. I would like it if they would have limited the law a little bit more than they even did. They did a much better job than anyone else has done to date. Not a surprise. The Cuban uh, judge, Lagoa, who I had recommended to Trump rather than Amy Coney Barrett. She's issued very good decision on gun issues, very good decisions on on now the, these issues. She would have been better, in my view, than Barrett. Um, but the, this, that issue is going up to the U.S. Supreme Court, just like the Maryland school issues are. Can public schools just eviscerate your religious rights? Do you give up your rights to, even though Justice Alito and others in the past said you don't sacrifice your religious beliefs at the school door? The Amish, once again, were some of the great ones establishing this in Wisconsin v. Yoder in 1972. Uh, Amos Miller's uh, uh, father uh, was, in, I believe it was, he was his father, or, no, his grandfather. Grandfather fought the fight in the 1950s in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. Uh, and the courts have said, you don't lose your religious rights at the public school door. But the Maryland courts and the Biden judges are, and the Democratic judges are saying otherwise. Um, quick question, just procedurally speaking. The Alabama Court of Appeals comes in and says, no, the lower court got it wrong. So we're. This we're, is the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. So, it said so, so the federal le- district court got it wrong. Okay, and sorry. And so they're lifting, they're lifting the stay. So the stay. Yeah. On so the now the law is enforced in the state of Alabama. Okay. Um, and then the flip side, like you sensitize people to, is if, if, if they say it's abuse or, you, you know, if they say what a parent does or does not get to do, uh, or they take that right away, then they come in and say, well, now the doctors say everyone needs to take that little jibby jab, and so parental rights be damned. I would say, you know, as far as the conceptual rationalizing go, I would say it, the, the line at what they could take away by parental rights would have to do with natural development of a, of a, of a human being under normal circumstances and not medical interventions, but... That might be a little complicated drafting. All right. Do we get into the second hack judgment of the night? Uh, the um, oh, yeah. go- the uh, Google yeah, the, one? Yeah, right right before we get to uh, Trump, which is upcoming. And I appreciate the memes. Uh, there we have a meme in the, <laughs> in the uh, chat of uh, Trump looking like Ice Cube. 
The, uh, did, you, Robert, did you hear the rap? Did you hear the song? Yes, yes, oh it's yes, am- yes. And, and, I mean, they they got murals. We'll, we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. But right before we get there, we have more craziness in the courts. Uh, two Biden appointees covering up for Google against in the uh, in the case against uh, that was brought by Robert Kennedy, and another case that was brought by the Republican National Committee and other Republican donor groups. So RFK sues and says, you got to get Google and YouTube to stop censoring my speech, to stop taking down videos that I'm posting as I'm running for president. Um, it's it's you know, violative of the First Amendment. It's unjustified. There tries to raise the common carrier argument, et cetera, et cetera. I might be oversimplifying right now, but he says, basically, get them to stop censoring me. I'm running for president. They're taking my videos down. There's no basis to do it. They're basically acting like uh, the government gatekeepers of information. The ju- I had the highlight. The judge came out and said, <laughs> um, First Amendments are very important. Let me just get the highlight here. It's, it's, it's so classic. It says, The Ninth Circuit has consistently recognized the significant public interest in upholding First Amendment principles. That's a quote from a prior decision. However, there is also a strong public interest in protecting the community from an international public health crisis such as the COVID-19 pandemic. And then at the end, skipping simply, it says, To date, COVID-19 was the underlying or contributing cause of death of nearly 1.14 Americans. The coronavirus still poses a health risk to certain individuals, and it would not serve the public interest to let medical misinformation proliferate on YouTube. They say this in their bullshit judgment, striking down uh, RFK's request. They go through all of the other... They're not acting at the government's behest. They're not coerced or induced. Uh, they're, they're a private enterprise. They can do what they want. They have Section 230 immunity. It, it's like I could draft that decision if I had to say, Viva, draft a decision as though you are a, a, a brain-dead liberal judge, Democrat, uh, whoever appointee. That's how I would go about it. It's Section 230. They uh, No, I, I might be mixing up two decisions here. But the First Amendment's important. But we need to protect the world from misinformation like masks don't work or do work, depending on the day. Uh, the jab doesn't cause myocarditis or does, depending on the day. Um, that's it. I think I might have mixed up the 230 with the other decision. But Robert. Yeah, the RNC. I yeah. mean, the, in the RFK case, because his simple argument was Google was acting as a state actor based on all the information and evidence that had come out of the Missouri versus Biden case. The Biden administration had specifically targeted him. So here you have a Biden appointee. Uh, you know, the, all these Democratic judges that demanded any Trump appointee recused from any Trump case don't seem to say that when it's a Biden appointee in a Biden case. So the man challenging uh, Joe Biden gets a Biden judge uh, about the suppression of his Bobby Kennedy's speech on the Internet. And shock, shock, that judge decides to protect Joe Biden rather than the First Amendment. And the way she got there, as you noted, is to pretend that Google has not acting as a state actor at all, which given all the evidence, I was curious how she got there. And she said, no, nah, they're just really in a the government's just consulting. They're just providing some information sharing. It's like it is the, one of the most ludicrous interpretations of no, the evidence developed in Missouri versus Biden. You possibly could. No, it's like it's it ignores the evidence that currently exists. It's just like, OK, I'm I'm, I'm living in my in my silo with my blinders on. Then the next part, she makes a classic legal error that says, well, there are other platforms available. So uh, it has long been established that the fact that you have other microphones does not allow the government to censor a particular microphone. Uh, so the you know, the it, you, uh, the excuse of there are other platforms is not an excuse to censor speech, period. 
So there's that's just a basic legal constitutional error by the judge. Uh, but my favorite part, and I say this uh, ironically, satirically, was the judge now established there's a First Amendment exception that if it concerns the pandemic, the government can censor speech. Judge actually says this right at the end of this. says it doesn't matter if, if, if all the other claims that Mr. Kennedy makes are true. I hear as a judge say that the government can censor speech if it concerns medical information about a pandemic. Just a shocking decision uh, that has never been issued, in my, to my knowledge, in the history of federal courts. So I know Bobby Kennedy is going to be appealing it, uh, and it needs to be appealed because that is one of the more dangerous decisions that's come down. It is absolutely amazing because had there been public discussion, unfettered, uncensored public discussion about the origins of the virus, the efficacy and the stats of the of the jab, masks, it would have saved lives and not cost lives. Um, do, do you know what this judge's uh, overturn rate on appeal is? Do you have any? Uh, She's a new judge. She's a Biden appointee. Okay. So very, very few. It's the Ninth Circuit, so you never know what you get with the Ninth Circuit. But it shows the dangers of where the courts have gone. And then as comparable, and the reason why all these cases are in California, Northern District of California is that their venue selection cause, uh, clause that all these big tech companies have put in created a favorable backyard on the federal law for all their cases. And it's a problem. It aligns with their politics as well. So the uh, uh, but comparable reaction by another Biden appointee uh, the in the Republican National Committee case that we had previously discussed. And that's where I got that's where I overlapped the the stupidity of these decisions with the Section 230 protection. RNC sues Google alleging that Google is abusively, reflexively, censorshiply uh, pushing the RNC's emails into the junk folders or the spam folders of Google users. Uh, Even if, and this was specifically not just random users, not just a random list, people who had specifically opted in requesting emails from the RNC. Now, I just saw the lights flicker in the house, and I don't know if, I don't know if something's going out here. So, yeah, so, so they're basically saying it's indirect censorship, uh, or they're, they're, they're pushing this all to the spam, even though they don't want them to go there, even though we don't violate the rules of whatever it is that determines whether or not something automatically goes to... Uh, the spam folder, the judge comes out and says, no, uh, it's a, it, you haven't proven anything. They got Section 230 immunity. I, I don't know how the 230 immunity works in this case, Robert. Can you explain that to people? Yeah, I think a lot of people would have questions about that. So it's a misapplication of the Iqbal and Twombly doctrines. The Supreme Court it was conservatives, too, who opened this dumb door, which was to apply summary judgment standards to motions to dismiss. They're not supposed to, but they did. They said you have to plead, you know, with sufficient uh, plausibility. All that did was ask judges to impose their political bias to dismiss cases before you get a chance to prove your case on the predicate that, well, you they here's, here's the circular logic your typical judge uses when they dismiss a case. They say you didn't you're not alleging plausibly that this evidence exists. Uh, well, judge, you've denied me the ability to get the evidence yet. Well, that's even more proof. <laughs> that, that, that's how these judges operate. This is uh, why, like, in, in Quebec, at least, uh, to dismiss a motion, it was such a radically, wildly uncommon thing. Because you're going to say, look, you haven't plausibly alleged your case. I made the allegation. 
And now I want to go ask them questions to substantiate my allegation or to allow them to disprove my allegation. And they dismiss it at a preliminary stage before discovery, before allowing you to adduce any. What are you supposed to have? All of the evidence beforehand, as opposed to, I think a wrong has been committed. I've got summary evidence and I want to die for a little more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's insane. So that's the first and foremost problem with the judge's order. But the second, I mean, the second problem is I was curious how he was going to ignore this because he said, you don't even allege that they acted in bad faith or with any discriminatory motive. He also gutted the UNRU Act, you know, the California law that has long been interpreted to disallow political discrimination. He says political discrimination is now just fine in California. I mean, you, you want to know why they're doing that? Because Democrats now control the state. So the judge knows, oh, now we're just screwing our adversaries. They wanted UNRU Act to protect political dissent when they were not in the control of the state. Now that they are, screw the law. Obliterate it. Gut the other guy. This is who these people are. They're statists at heart. They think like 1930s communists, not like 1960s Berkeley free speech movement liberals. Um, but here's what the Section 230, which, again, for all those people out there that may not know, Community uh, Communications Decency Act, it was designed primarily to not treat uh, Internet service providers as publishers. So if somebody published something on your platform... You were not responsible for it. At the same time, they wanted you to be allowed to uh, prohibit obscenity, stalking, harassment behavior. So what they said is you can block or remove obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, uh, cond- uh, or otherwise objectionable. Now, by every historical statutory canon of construction, that word otherwise objectionable is supposed to refer back to all those other provisions. The courts have completely eviscerated the statute, abandoned all the canons of construction because they want to protect big tech at all costs, and say otherwise objectionable means whatever big tech says it means. And that's how suddenly sending things to spam is now a Section 230 action, which is just preposterous. But then the next component is, he said, because they also have to prove that they acted in good faith in order to have this defense. Let let me stop you there, because, Robert, I don't... Section 230 had to do with moderating platforms. This is a service being provided. How the hell can you say I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, discriminate politically? I'm gonna I'm gonna compromise the service that I'm providing you. And it's protected under Section 230. Because they took Internet service provider and just applied it to anybody that had any kind of connection to the Internet. And that's what they did. So they they first took something that was about platforms for third-party content and started applying it to things that were not platforms for third-party content. And then uh, second, they took Internet service provider that's supposed to be a limited definition and made it anything. And then third, they took what was supposed to be objectionable material and completely gutted what it meant to be objectionable material. If you look at that, what, what is Congress defining? They're defining things outside the protection of the First Amendment. Obscenity, except, you know, uh, obscenity or stalking or harassing behavior. Things that have never been covered by the First Amendment. True threats, right? Uh, excessively violent, et cetera. The, uh, so it fits within that uh, realm. And instead, they just gutted it by you. I mean, again, they they didn't say or objectionable. They said or otherwise objectionable, which always refers back to the prior uh, provisions under any statutory canon of construction. 
The courts have just obliterated it. And all the legal academy and the law professors and the think tanks, they're almost all bought and paid for. They're all big tech whores. They all take their money or can't wait for their money or they're politically aligned with them. So you, you, you don't find law review articles exposing this. You don't find law journal articles exposing this. You don't find think tanks exposing this. You don't find anybody doing it. And people like Jim Jordan are on the, on, on the big tech teat. So you, you're not going to find Jim Jordan doing I mean, he does a lot of great stuff. Not in this field, he doesn't. He's a lousy on big tech. Um, and so you have a lot of big Republicans that are in bed with big tech. And so that's that's how we got here. But I was curious. I was like, how is he going to say there was no plausible allegation that the this was in bad faith? Because if it was politically motivated, it's in bad faith. By, defi- it, by definition, they, 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 did, they did not meet the metrics that Google implements to determine if you send out too many, uh, you know, whatever the metrics are, then it goes to spam. They just say, well, this, or if people flag it as spam, they incorporate that. They got none of this. They said there was a fraction of a percentage of their emails that they, they Google met was none violating of their own standards for objectionability as spam, number one. And they went further. They produced an independent third party study done by someone unconnected to the litigation that pointed out that uh, 68% of Republican candidate donor request emails Google sent to spam at key junctures in the election, but only 8% of Democratic solicitations for campaign contributions. And remember, everybody at Google is pretty, 99% of their donations go to Democrats. So it's like, how could you claim there's no possible allegation even here, political bias? But the judge just pretends, oh, that's not enough. Because again, he has an outcome and he's just, re- as you were describing it, you're, he's, he's writing a decision to make sure he gets to an outcome. He's not getting to an outcome by following the law. And that's what you see. And I'm, I'm sure the RNC will appeal it uh, because it should be appealed. And hopefully this aggregation gets up to the Supreme Court and they don't wuss out like they wussed out last year on these big tech cases. Well, it gets to the Supreme Court, Robert. But meanwhile, it's the election cycle now. So it'll get there by 2025. And, you know, they, oh, yeah, lo- Google they will lose- do it, continue to engage in mass discrimination against both Robert Kennedy and the Republican National Committee. Before we get into the big topic of the night, Robert, the Trump mugshot. Let me just read a few uh, chats here. Uh, this is Pinochet's helicopter tour says, if the government continues to subvert the will of the people, we should start publicly declaring corruption of blood upon the individuals. I don't know what that means. Something federal and state governments are prohibited from. Dapper Dave says, if Elon was not red-pilled before, he is now. Holy crab apples. Kitty724 says, today Robert's fight against corrupting pharma, no new emergency vaccine for moi. Sanya TK, Barnes thought on Putin's first successful denazification aboard. We're going to get there aboard Progosian's plane. We're, that's a topic for tonight. That rumple. Hey, Viva and guest, I'm terrified that Russia is going to drop an atomic bomb on America. And if we let Ukraine continue, Putin will. And we're dead. Why doesn't Washington understand that? I'm nervous. If they do that, we're going to have a tsunami that's going to wash over Florida. Like, I've thought about that. We got GoFundMe from Banners of Praise. And I don't know what that is, but thank you for the chat. Uh, the Rumble Rant, XSFDIT. Anytime someone says, I support this right, but means they absolutely don't support the right 100%. Big Cat Nola, look into interviewing Eric West of the YouTube channel Hawaii Real Estate. Yeah, actually, I've been watching his stuff, actually. It's good. Hawaii Real Estate uh, turned citizen journalist covering the fires. He was asking for legal advice and help amplifying their story and needs. I shared that in our locals community. 
Bill Dozer, so is the legal system just a lost cause at this point? What recourse do we have as normal plebs also? Check out my Rumble channel, and I don't know what it's called, but Bill Dozer 74 <sighs> Okay, Robert. Speaking of the system being totally, totally shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's bring this up. Let's bring this one up. Here we go, people. If you haven't heard it, you got to hear it here. And, it, and it's, it's, it's AI generated, so there's no copyright. I want to go to LA. Wait a minute. Well, shout out Patriot J, Benny Johnson, Big Bongino, <laughs> Alex Jones, free my dogs and lock up the radical left's gone crazy. I don't bail, I don't bail, I won't see inside a cell. Shout out Doug. Okay, it goes on. It's fantastic. I'm going to share the link to everybody. Robert, the mugshot... I, I, it seems that the only people saying that it's not backfiring are the liars. <laughs> I, you got Jen Psaki, uh, Mehdi Hassan, all, uh, all of the standard liars saying it's terrible. And now they're trying to make it a racial issue and to pretend that now you know, to appeal to the black community and say that now he's gotten more street cred. It's racist. The mugshot's great. He's a criminal. Everybody's realizing this. He's going to jail. Um. Do you know what he was thinking when he took the picture, Robert? Did he practice that face? Uh, he must have. I mean, it's my takeaway. Because it was, you know, the it was a war footing kind of, uh, and it's an, un, uh, two things, it's a war footing kind of physical posture. Hey, wait, oh, God, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was loud. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, they're making murals of it uh, down in Atlanta. The, uh, uh, but, but it was one of the most intense, iconic looks ever. And it's not a common look that he has ever given. So the uh, so I, I think he did, and you know he had never surrender. He put he came back to Twitter for one tweet, uh, which was that tweet, never surrender. Started advertising on it right away. It does look a lot like the bald eagle image, the the, the badass bald eagle image that's someone's putting up as a meme on our board. Uh, it, it's uh, I wonder if that's what inspired him because that's the most analogous look. Robert, for, uh, for for someone who's never had a mugshot taken before, do they do they give you a three, two, one, go? Do they let you look at it beforehand and say, "Do you want to take it again?" Do they tell you what to do? Usually, they say, "Look here," and then take the photo. Okay. So the uh, uh, but it varies. It varies by department. Varies by location. And clearly, Democrats thought it would do a lot of, him a lot of damage. Instead, he celebrated it, welcomed it, used it, raised seven million dollars on it in twenty four hours or so. It's gone global. It's gone viral. It'll probably be the most famous mugshot, maybe in the history of mugshots. Uh, you can get shot glasses with called mugshot with his image on it. You can get you know a, you know uh, Donald Trump Jr. I'll be on his show uh, tomorrow. Is you know has free Trump out there as a way to raise funds for the people that are being subject to this. Uh, we you know put up the Jeffrey Clark link where people can go to give send go and support Jeff Clark's work on it. So the uh, it, it politically backfired, and then there there are a bunch of like rap. I mean, driving through the uh, poor urban uh, areas, uh, African American areas in Atlanta, a bunch of people lined up to cheer him. You had you had rap stars and other people comparing themselves to him later, and some on the right, Jen Ellis, who who just keeps stepping in it. You know, you're trying to raise money for your defense, and then you go out and attack Trump. I mean, it's like, well, when do you learn not to be a complete idiot? You even get James O'Keefe saying nice stuff about you, and then you blow it up the next day. It's like that she really is just politically dense. Uh, she 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 rode the short bus to school for sure when it comes to politics. But the uh, but the 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 point that I, I had made, Richard Barris had made for a while, is not so much that 
oh, because Trump's accused of a crime, now uh, black people and minorities and millennials relate to him. That's not the, the point. The point is that if you are a working class person from a, a racial minority or millennial community, how many rich, white, 75-year-old uh, uh, real estate ty billionaire tycoons from New York do you know? Not very many. How many people do you know that have been victimized by the American legal system? A lot more. Trump went from being in one category to the other. That's what makes him more relatable. The second part is you're seeing even Brett Weinstein's. Like, I don't like Trump, but this war on him makes me second guess some things. A lot of people are, are going to see the war on Trump as he is now the underdog, as he is, is they, there must be something legit in him fighting the system or the system wouldn't be so obsessed with crushing him. And so that's the point as to the working class communities that had previously not been not seen Trump as relatable now see him as relatable. That's why Richard Barris's surveys show him winning twice as many black voters as any Republican since Richard Nixon. Uh, and, you know, Richard Nixon was a civil rights guy going back to the 50s, um, you know, before Republicans and Democrats had sharply drawn different lines on that before the 64 presidential campaign, the uh, which is what really defined Republicans as anti-civil rights in the public consciousness within the African-American community. But the uh, I mean, and he's doing twice as getting twice as many black voters as DeSantis or any other generic Republican, twice as many uh, as he got in 2016 or 2020. And so that's not a surprise. Most, a lot of it's economics, but it's only enhanced by people like, I mean, this has gone viral everywhere. I mean, they, the, the populist community celebrated this image because Trump brilliantly remade it into an image of resistance, just like Martin Luther King did with his mugshot, just like Nelson Mandela did with his mugshot. Uh, so others, you know, if he looks like one of the founding fathers if they had had a mugshot. You know, the people were showing the comparison to George Washington in certain images, uh, Thomas Jefferson in certain images and paintings, et cetera. So uh, it, it, the, the mugshot definitely fired, uh, backfired on Fannie Willis. It's um, it definitely is a determined look in his face. And I, I was just for everybody out there who might have thought I was being serious as to whether or not they let you look at it and take another one. That was a joke. But. I just don't know if they give you like a three, two, one go so that he gets ready for the picture. Um, can you maybe help quell another rumor, Robert? Because it happened. It's with, I think Jeff Clark has the same problem as Trump. People are talking about the numbers in the height and weight. Trump, people are saying Trump's weight on his booking photo was 215 pounds. And people don't believe that. Who, when you get... They, they thought for sure he was secretly 350 well, pounds. But I, so how does, again, never been to jail. How does it work? Do they, they weigh you. They measure you, correct? Like, it's not like you, you it, give it, them it the varies. info? It, it varies on, uh, on the jail. Okay. But yes, you, typically they, they, they do that be, and they don't rely upon your self-representation <laughs> because they're using that for identification purposes in case you flee. So they, they need accuracy in that. So typically that, that's where that is. Okay. And that, that doesn't surprise me. You know, again, when I met Trump, Biggie comes across as a powerful guy, owns a room. Uh, in 6'3", 215, that, that sounds like, that sounds about right. They, they've always exaggerated. They've tried to make him, oh, he's fat because they think he's sensitive to that image. So that's why the media and the left love to try to present that. And it's like, you, if you're on any camera, they'll, they'll, the camera will add 30, 40 pounds to you, your average camera, especially if, they, if you want it to add that many pounds, uh, like the media does. And it's like, I, I've seen the man in person. It's clear he's in fine shape. That, that's been evident for a while. 
What's amazing is that people look at you and me, Robert, and we're about the same size on screen. And then people don't realize you're a foot taller than me. I'm five, five and a half on a good day. I, I, I think I still look like a midget next to the quartering, though. He's a, he, he, I, I thought he was six. He, he looks like an offensive tackle. It's he. I hear someone say "Viva Viva," and I look. I was like, first of all, I was like, that looks like the quartering. I met Harmeet Dillon in person, and I couldn't put the face in person to the face online. No, no, Jeremy is towers over me. Towers over like even when he was crouching down when I asked him not to, still towered over me. All right, so the mugshot is 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 iconic. Um, Popularity seems to be gaining. I mean, now the craziness that happened down there. I mean, the best fight up against it we'll get to in a second is, is Jeffrey Clark's motion to remove. Mm-hmm. But the uh, craziness is the black defendant. What happened to him? Robert, so uh, his name, I know his last name is Floyd. I just remember that because one Floyd, who's an actual criminal who happens to meet an unfortunate end, becomes canonized because he's, you know, uh, you have to have forgiveness and, 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 and everything. The other Floyd, who's a black man, who's now being locked away. No, but he couldn't secure bond. And I'll steal man the argument, Robert. Apparently, earlier this year, he shoved an FBI agent who came to serve him with a uh, a subpoena, I think. And uh, I don't know what the rationale is for locking him up and not giving him bond. He's self-represented because he doesn't want to go into debt to indebt his family to defend against this. Um, I, I don't know what I don't know what like exactly why he could not negotiate a bond. If they, they thought he was a flight risk, uh, more of a flight risk than others, so they're going to lock him up. What was what else was there for the justification? Well, I mean, that was it. It was a it was a ridiculous ruling by a judge who's accustomed to abusing her power. A white woman. And, I mean, I, I don't play these games all the time. I will. It, it, it's a problem in Fulton County, and it's a problem in a lot of state courts across the country. But it's a state court that's clearly because I mean the Eighth Amendment is just getting eviscerated, and they usually use the Epstein and the Ghislaine Maxwells and the Sam Bankman Freed cases to get people on board because nobody cares about those defendants. And so they cheer the deprivation of the Eighth Amendment, not realizing it's going to come for them or someone they care about or a case they care about next, like it did for the January 6th cases. Eighth Amendment is a right against excessive bail. And it was absolutely absurd of that state court judge to say that somebody who voluntarily came from Virginia. Before before the president, before Trump himself, he voluntarily showed up. Voluntarily comes from another state. He had not been served a summons. He had not been served a subpoena. He had not was not subject to an arrest. He had not been extradited. He, aware of the case, voluntarily came all the way down from another state to appear. So why is he going to flee? If he was going to flee, he wouldn't have shown up in the first place. Robert, it's, so beyond- it's a preposterous ruling by a corrupt hack of a judge because Governor Kemp can't do his job. Let, let me just... Uh- here, this this is um, Black Voices for Trump, ex-director Harrison Floyd, denied bond in court. And, and the judge, we've got Judge Emily K. Richardson, Superior Court, and I made the tongue-in-cheek joke. A white judge, he's the only black defendant that I know of, denied bond. There was, there was it, two black defendants, but yes, one of the, the one, there was only one black male defendant, and he's the only one that doesn't get bailed. Say, these, are the, these are the same people crying about purported institutionalized racism and the same ones screaming about criminal justice reform. A white judge locking... So he's still in jail now. Yeah, he is. And I hope maybe it'll get fixed this week. I know people were raising funds for his defense or for the bail. Uh, what should have been is, you know, $5,000. It should have been... There shouldn't have been any bail. It should have been signature release in all these cases. These are people that voluntarily appeared, didn't even fight extradition, 
did weren't subject weren't even arrested didn't weren't even summoned or subpoenaed voluntarily appeared it's ludicrous that any of them had any bail attended to them and it's a sign of how excessive bail is but where is aoc mrs i hate bail and we need to stop bail we need to stop cash bail see if, if people like that wanted credibility for their positions wanted people to re-examine from the political right or an independent politically whether or not hey maybe our bail there are bail problems and the left's not all wrong about that then what they would do if they had a political iq over 20 is they would join on these cases but of course aoc is silent because the glenn greenwald's point the number one cheerleaders for all the prosecutorial abuse in these cases for the denial of bail for the for the weaponization of the legal system to put people in prison forever for their first amendment freedoms is the is the is the left it's the authoritarian left has completely taken over and abolished the free speech left what's I'm, left of it out there is the bobby kennedys of the world and that's it and uh and and it's sad and pitiful but it shows where the left is these days well I, i'm going to make sure not to swear because i'm going to clip this part and just call aoc an outright hypocrite liar yeah, she's all, a fraud. All, she's all a fraud. She she she's always raised, been a fraud. She's always going to be a fraud. She raised some money for the Texas thing just to make fun of um, uh, the guy who ate, what was his name? Ted Cruz. She, she, she raised some money there for only to make a point politically and, and mock an adversary. But when it comes to actual criminal justice reform, actual justice. Now, I'm looking for Harrison Floyd's um, give, send, go. I'll see if I can find it. But it's, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. It's just, it's just a joke. Now, the person who's who's the best case to support, you can go to Give, Send, Go, uh, Jeffrey Clark, uh, Jeff Clark, uh, the, you can, I think it's at Jeff Clark US on Twitter. He is the former uh, acting assistant attorney general, uh, assistant attorney general in general, uh, and was considered for acting US attorney, uh, for, or acting attorney general itself for a period of time, who has been indicted in the Georgia cases solely because he wrote an email to other Justice Department people. It's the most absurd part of the uh, of any part of the, the – in an utterly absurd, asinine indictment, the most ludicrous part is the indictment of Jeffrey Clark. Now, he has sophisticated counsel, and he has brought a motion to remove to federal court that is pending in federal court. The motion to stay was denied. It's an Obama judge, so I don't have a lot of confidence that this judge will do his job. Because they, uh, these Obama judges can't even look out for themselves. They don't understand that green lighting this means they're next down the road. <coughs> they're just oblivious to the fact they're torching the system. Uh, this is what happens when you have judges appointed by a president who didn't grow up in America and doesn't understand America and never did understand America. That's who Barack Obama is. That's why his birth certificate issue resonated. Nothing to do with color or race or any of that other stuff. Because he is foreign. Because his ideas are motivated by where he grew up outside of the United States. And we got a lot of judges, like the, as the New York Post was detailing, the issue I first rose, good to see the other publications picking up on it. They dug in and they confirmed what I said, which is the D.C. judge has it comes from a bunch of uh, Marxist, communist, hardcore radicals. I mean, that, that's the lunatics that we have deciding the future of America now. Um, so we'll see what this judge does. But Jeffrey Clark is the lawyer to support. Uh, very good motion to remove, and and he's bringing a motion to dismiss on all kinds of grounds. Uh, he's raising all of the constitutional issues, so it will be very robust in its presentation. 
Uh, so uh, at least, and he'll pursue every appeal that needs to be uh, pursued. Uh, um, so that that guarantees this case gets high end representation by people. And he, and Clark's not even trying to raise a ton of money; he's trying to raise a hundred grand. That's what uh, I, I, so I far. Should. He's up to about fifty. There's no reason why he shouldn't get to a hundred. Andrew yeah. McCabe raised six hundred fifty grand in twenty four hours. If people on the right are serious about how they really want good legal representation, they got to put their money where their mouth is. And just to say that I shared both links. And yes, Harrison Floyd was trying to raise 200, got to 251,000, assuming it's the correct uh, give, send, go, which I think it is. Jeff Clark, I've, I've shared it out twice. You have the link. He's trying to get to 100,000. He's at 49 or 50,000. Um, so what then, is this? Then oh, that's not all the Trump cases. Because we got two other Trump aspects this week. It came out that a ex-employee had been coerced to testify against Trump and another employee in the classified documents case because the D.C. judges were conspiring to interfere with that defendant's right to counsel. So we talked about it last week. I think you need to flesh this out again just for those who might have missed it, but it's also a good reminder. The, the prosecution sought to have the defendant's counsel disqualified. Oh, this is separate. So that uh, ongoing, that's an ongoing issue. What happened previously is they previously succeeded in doing it in secret. So what happened is the chief judge in D.C. told, brought in one of these employees represented by this uh, lawyer who was being paid for probably by Trump's team. And the judge said, you need to talk to my friend over here, the lefty federal public defender. Uh, and and basically threatened to strip him of his lawyer, of any legal advice. So he goes over to the commie uh, lefty public defender, who, of course, tells him, you better flip now and blame everything on Trump and this other employee and and, and gets different counsel. It's this is this is called the star chamber, though. The most offensive provision of the star chamber was not that you were denied your right to counsel. It's that they chose your counsel for you. And that is what the D.C. courts are doing in their ongoing conspiracy to deprive Americans of their civil right to vote. That whole indictment is confession through projection because it's what the federal judges themselves are complicit in doing. This is more outrageous violations of constitutional rights that I have ever seen in any case. And the judges are neck deep and swimming in it. What's the what is even the legal basis to try to disqualify a, a defendant's counsel of choice? I mean, technically, it's only supposed to occur when a defendant raises it. So uh, I've objected to this. The government's not in a position. They don't have standing to raise it. Courts are not supposed to raise this out of outside of extraordinary circumstances. I've never heard of it being done in a grand jury context before. They were so committed to coercing testimony in a certain direction that the judges themselves are interfering and handpicking lawyers for defendants. Like if this judge was sincere, go find a, uh, you, you, I mean, this judge knew somebody I'm in the, I'm, I'm a member of the federal DC court system. Uh, go find someone, you know, is aligned with Trump politically to that's a defense lawyer, right? If, if, if your real concern is conflict of interest to uh, that wasn't this judge's concern, this judge, the same judges, that came, several of them came in to watch Trump get arraigned, which has never been heard of. The same judges that violated all of his other attorney-client privilege. The same judges that allowed a D.C. grand jury to even be here in a Florida case. 
the same judges that threatened Elon Musk and issued huge fines if he didn't turn over Trump's private DMs. I mean, so these are corrupt judges that if anybody in Congress was doing their job, they would have brought impeachment provisions already. These are judges conspiring to deprive people of their civil rights and civil liberties. And by the way, those civil rights laws were written in the first place. Uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1871 and all the rest that they're now citing to go after Trump. They were they were designed because state court judges were so corrupt and so weak. Now it's just extended to some federal court judges. These judges have no business being on the federal bench. They've gone a lot further than Samuel Chase did when he got impeached back in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. So the uh, this is egregious behavior. And of course, the Norm Ornsteins of the world are cheering it on. That corrupt hack, when he's not busy whoring for big corporations so they can employ slave labor around the world, was attacking Professor Turley and wanting George Washington to fire him because Turley pointed out these indictments uh, threaten the First Amendment liberties of every American like they do. This is how nuts the, the, the liberal bench are just pure statist uh, at heart that they think like uh, 1930s Soviets. They have the same approach to justice and they are an imminent danger to the American Republic but probably no bigger than Looney Ludig, that friend and ally of Lawrence Tribe, whose ideas are now getting so broadly circulated. Secretaries of State in New Hampshire, the governor of California, some loony nut job lawyer in Florida are trying to implement. <clears throat> All right, Robert, uh, what's the next topic that we move on to? <laughs> oh, that's it. That, that, I mean, that, that is our next topic. So the this is the gibberish. Now, if, if you are a member of vivabarneslaw.locals.com, then you got a sneak peek preview uh, and are already well-informed and above average anyway as to this nutty argument. Uh, and don't take my word for it. Professor Dershowitz had the exact same view. He called it a ridiculous, preposterous, insane argument. But Ludig, who that Federalist Society favorite, who, to his credit, Mike Davis came out and said he's completely lost his mind. Uh, the guy we had, uh, we've had uh, Mr. Davis on previously in our sidebar, uh, is uh, you know friends with Justice Gorsuch and others. The and it, it does a lot of very good work. The uh, and, and continues to, uh, including on the big tech subject and, and elsewhere. But uh, Ludig was a guy the Federal Society wanted to put on the U.S. Supreme Court. And again, this is a guy who said that the President of the United States could just unilaterally decree. Uh, that you're an enemy combatant, even if you're in the United States, a citizen of the United States, and you're not in a war zone of any kind, and take away all of your constitutional rights and liberties, all of the first through the Eighth Amendment, lock you up, detain you, torture you, deprive you of every single First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment, Eighth Amendment right you have. This same judge, and he want, I mean, the bottom line is this is a judge who wants to do that to 75 million Americans. He wants to do it to all of MAGA because he uses the same language about clear and present danger he used to justify that enemy combatant decision, Jose Padilla. And he and tribe circulated that nutty notion that the four, third, clause three of the 14th Amendment, uh, according to him, requires everybody who has any role in the ballot whatsoever, even if it's some local clerk, to strike Donald Trump's name from the ballot, not allow Americans to vote for him in the name of democracy. The corrupt hacks that are part of the Sununu political machine in New Hampshire are now thinking about doing it in New Hampshire. These are Republicans, by the way, including one who got elected running on a pro-Trump ticket uh, and promised Trump to support him. 
that that that's the phonies, fakes, and frauds that riddle the Republican institutional establishment. Uh, Newsom, of course, wants to pass a law to do it because that's Newsom. He's a nut. Uh, but others are considering it as well. A lawyer in Florida filed suit. How he has standing is if we're going to say President Trump can't have standing to challenge the election that stole it from him, how is it some some whack job lawyer has standing to kick Trump off the ballot before he's even on the ballot? Uh, we'll see what judges say about that. We'll get to how judges tend to rule on standing a little bit later. But the uh, this is this argument is absurd. Clause three of the 14th Amendment says senators, House members, electors for the president uh, and other officers cannot uh, hold office. So a certain category of people cannot a certain category of offices that certain people can't hold if they had previously sworn an oath to the U.S. Constitution and then after that engaged in insurrection or uh, support or gave aid and comfort thereof. All right. So. Uh, first of all, this provision uh, does not even apply to the president of the United States, period. This is this tells you what a fraud Judge Ludig is, always was, why I hate the Federalist Society types. This is, this is a fake, oh, Mr. Constitutionalist, and I'm an originalist. Liar, fraud, fake, phony. The uh, Because it doesn't even apply to the president. It only applies to electors for the president. That's number one. Number two, it doesn't apply to the ballot. It applies to holding office. Except that's about when you get inaugurated, whether you get sworn in or not, not whether or not you're on a ballot for people to choose or not. Problem category number three. This is a Civil War clause, as Dershowitz pointed out. It's ludicrous to apply it outside of the Civil War. Why? Because it contradicts other provisions of the Constitution. It says these are the only qualifications for the presidency, and only by impeachment can you remove them from the uh, presidency. If they planned on overriding that provision, maybe they would have included it in there, or maybe they thought this only applies to the Civil War. This doesn't apply to the presidency. The uh, problem, so it doesn't apply to the ballot access provision at all. It doesn't apply to the president at all. It doesn't apply outside of the unique Civil War context. They've also already issued, uh, it says the only enforcement mechanism is Congress. Congress has passed no law to enforce this. In fact, the only thing Congress has passed is pardoning everybody connected to it. So it has no application there. This was litigated in the Madison Cawthorn context. It's been litigated on federal officials in the Madison Cawthorn context, the Marjorie Taylor Greene context, the Paul Gosar context. In all three cases, all three were placed on the ballot. The only contrary case is a low-level state New Mexico case that the New Mexico Supreme Court refused to rule on substantively for procedural reasons. And that, and that lefty whack-job judge cited an 1890s case from a crazy, corrupt Cook County judge, Illinois judge, who was trying to ban labor organizers from being on the ballot because labor organizers were insurrectionists. And, you know, this lefty idiot doesn't even know who he's citing because he's that dumb and that, you know, uh, outcome oriented. It is a ludicrous claim. It is an absurd argument. And it's dangerous. Uh, because, by the way, people have already tried this in other contexts. They tried to say Barack Obama didn't fit the qualifications because he wasn't a natural-born citizen because they alleged he was born outside the United States. They alleged the same thing about John McCain because he was born in Panama. And the federal courts, at state courts at every single level said that is not for the state to do. The state cannot take that action into their own hands. It was, Dershowitz is pointing out, he goes, by this logic, every Republican anywhere could take Joe Biden off the ballot. Uh, they could do it at the local level, because according to Ludig and Tribe, any official has an ob obligation to do it. OK, 
So everybody that thinks that uh, Biden is uh, a criminal and not qualified to be president for whatever reason can now do it at the even in states that are up for grabs. Just do it at your local city. Do it at your local town. Do it at your local county. This is insane. But these people haven't even thought through because they assume these rules will never be applied to them. And that's a very unsafe assumption to have. But Um, hopefully the courts at some point will step in if this gets utterly insane and put an end to it. Or we have the end of America. If you take off the leading candidate for the presidency and won't let Americans vote for him, you no longer have a constitutional government. You no longer have a constitutional democracy. America has failed at that point. Uh, Let me ask you another question as to how America could conceivably fail. You say the, the amendment only operates within the context of the Civil War. Some people are saying that they're doing this specifically to provoke a violent uh, response or, you know, something January 6th on steroids. Um, if it, Can one declare America being in a state of civil war to then <laughs> invoke this? Uh, I mean, that's why that's Dershowitz's point is there's so little clarification of that provision that it's obvious that it's limited to the historical context. It's limited to the people that had already taken an oath to the Constitution and then said, I hereby abandon my oath and join the Confederacy. That, and without that historical context, that clause doesn't even make sense. And that's Dershowitz's point. He says you can't apply this outside of that context. Now, of course, substantively, by the way, Trump has not been found guilty of any insurrection or anything else anyway. So he's not even charged with insurrection. So they're just saying we're just going to call him an insurrectionist because he's been indicted on something else. And, of course, Eugene V. Debs, who was actually actually charged with seditious behavior, which could constitute insurrection, actually convicted of it in the federal system, was still on the ballot everywhere in 1920. So this is a legally ludicrous and dangerous argument that threatens constitutional liberty. What Ludig accuses Trump supporters of is what he is, an imminent and clear and present danger to the American constitutional uh, republic. Robert, I, I remember back in the day, you said, you know, when we talked about it, well, if they remove his name from the ballot, it'll only be in stupid blue states that would never go Republican either. And now the Overton window is shifting in real time where you got rhino, apparently some rhino uh, government officials who are entertaining the notion. There's yep. no there's yep. no bottom to this. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's they don't understand how insane it is that they really think they can get away with it. Is is the bottom line. They are disconnected. They are complete. And and people that are disconnected are, are more dangerous than those who are not. And so, I mean, we'll see an example of that in a case of uh, lesser direct political consequence, but maybe broader employment context, which is here you have one of the biggest news publishers in the world that announced, by the way, we're going to reverse discriminate against everybody. It's, well, Robert, it's not reverse discrimination. It's proactive. It's proactive discrimination so they can meet equity. I, I don't even know if it's proportionate uh, representation. This is Gannett, who owns USA Today and a number of other big outlets, basically saying internally, externally, quietly, loudly, we're going to have a, a workforce that is reflective of the demographics of America. So we're going to proactively make sure that we hire certain races, certain ethnicities, so we can get to 13% black, 17%. What is what is Latino now in the state? 17%? Yeah, well, uh, the gain, it was going to vary by community. So whatever the community was in the paper they were at, they had to racially reflect that demographic in that community. It, what, what's so insulting about it is that 
Uh, it, it, it I still bet they screwed Asians, though. I bet they didn't. Like in some community where it was like twenty five percent Asian, they weren't going to hire twenty five percent Asian. Uh, now I forget what's going. So, so who is suing again in this one? Now I'm. I'm, I'm so I'm, uh, editors, journalists, writers, people who worked there oh, for thirty, this forty is, years. This is the one that's looking for class action certification. Uh, revert. So. Well, I mean, so they're alleging reverse discrimination, overt, pol- stated policy. Uh, what is it? Straight white men need not apply. Uh, looking for class quotas, education. quotas yep. and then bonuses to anybody who enforced the quotas. <laughs> so, I mean, the and then a whole bunch of people got laid off. A whole bunch of people didn't get jobs. They could have otherwise got jobs. And so that's a violation under 43 USC 1981. It's a pl- classic employment. Discri- and they have their own words. I mean, they said they were going to do it and they did it. And what I said at the time of the affirmative action decision, that's one of the decisions quoted in this case, said this doesn't end at colleges and and admissions. This applies to everything, vendor contracts, government contracts, employment, any kind of preferential benefit at all based on race is now clearly unconstitutional and illegal. And it's good to see a big big media influencer organization like Gannett get called out for it and exposed by it. Well, we'll see where it goes, Robert. The um, well, speaking so, of uh, you know surprising outcomes, the uh, uh, well, I'll just we'll discuss briefly. Uh, you know, to the earlier super chat question, the great benefit we have is that Putin is a master of self restraint. We sure can't rely on Uncle Joe Biden. Uh, as as to uh, that's why I don't think we're at risk of imminent nuclear conflict. Is we got to bank on Russia because we can't bank on this administration. But the uh, Prigozhin, the former head of Wagner, who was uh, reactivating Wagner in Central Africa, so there was some controversy there globally. Who, you know, purportedly uh, did a try to do a march on Moscow for a coup of the military leadership a few months ago. Um, it, the was reported officially dead by the Russian government when his plane crashed and everybody aboard died, it appears that a bomb was placed on board the plane and that uh, the bomb took him out. There were published reports that from the Belarusian president, that Lukashenko, that he and Putin had both warned Prigozhin of very specific threats against his life and to take special pro- protocols. And, uh, and Lukashenko gave the impression that Prigozhin just blew it off as not a big risk. So the... Uh, uh, lots of different suspects. Well, hold on. Uh, hold on. Do, do we even know that he's definitely dead? B- back in the day, Robert, uh, you said... Only now. Uh, well, now in the sense that DNA, the Russian government has declared him dead. Yes, but The now, Russian government has said they've done a DNA check and that the DNA comparison, it's his. it was from his body that was on the... But, and that other Wagner uh, military execs have said it. Now, it can't completely rule it out because his body was blown to smithereens. But back in the day, you said if Prigozhin survives this coup, because we were talking about whether or not the coup was a false flag, whether or, not it was, whether or not it was legit. And at the time, you know, you said if he survives this, you can bet that it was fake. Now that he's dead, and I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking like a, a Jean Le Carré novel. If they were friends, what better way to let your friend live? Then by faking his death, killing a bunch of your other enemies that you didn't really care about in the first place, yeah. and then saying he's dead now, he's like living, lapping it up. I don't know with with hookers and and ho- in the Moscow. There's hotel. at least a half dozen. I mean, previously he was ruled dead several years ago in Africa, and then you know several weeks later came out and said, "Hello, I'm still here." So the uh, so I lay out there's about a half dozen at least possible scenarios and suspects 
that a lot of people haven't thought of in a hush-hush at bebabarnslaw.locals.com. Uh, that's where you can get it. You can go to the content and the, look up playlist and video, and you can see there's like 76 hush-hushes covering a wide range of topics. What I'll briefly say on it is just that I think the least likely suspect is Putin himself. The idea that the person that Nikki Haley and others blamed on the Republican stage, simply because of the manner. It's like, I have, I'm a less a cynical view of Putin than most people in the West. But even in those that have a cynical view, believe Putin is smart, sophisticated, careful, and, tact, and, and, and a good tactician. That uh, Someone like that, whether you think Putin is not the evil person some people do, or you do think he is, he's not going to blow up a plane outside of Moscow with a whole bunch of people on it as his way to get to Bergosia. Put it simply, he's got far easier and more efficient mechanisms. To give an example, let's say he wanted to get rid of Bergosia. Let him go to Africa, where he's been back and forth, have his plane blown up and blow the, and blame the West, right? And or, or blame somebody else that's politically convenient. I mean, there's a hundred ways to kill the guy, different than the way that did it. That better serve Putin. And Putin's definitely not doing it in the middle of the BRICS conference, where Putin is trying to redesign the whole economic system with trading exchanges and financial monetization outside of the control of the West. He's not going to blow up Prigozhin during the middle of all that. So I think the the person everybody's telling you is the most likely suspect is actually the least likely suspect. It's not to rule him out. It's just to say he's the least likely. But I go into all the other ones, including a certain one who really blamed Pergosian for many things here in the uh, United States. You might want to take a look at. But for that, you can look at the hush hush at vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Robert, I, I, I'm going to watch it. But did you happen to get into this? Did you know that Pergosian was Jewish? <laughs> I did not know that. I, I'm telling you this. We and and the, the Jewish outlets—they don't want to say it's Jewish, so they say Jewish ancestry. The guy was Jewish, um, totally. So whoever oh, did, there's who, a transition to jump ahead to a topic: religious adoption in Tennessee. Oh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to uh, field this one for me. This is a Jewish family that was denied the right to adopt a, a family out of Florida. I think uh, not a family, a kid out of Florida. Uh, because the agency had Christian values or Christian faith, and they they made any potential adoptive parents uh, a statement of adherence to the faith, and they didn't do it, and so they were denied um, uh, the right to adopt. Now, take it from there, because um, that's about all I can do. So it's a unique case in Tennessee, though the broader issues will be important. And unique because in Tennessee, you have standing to bring claims you don't elsewhere. So intended. So the quest. So that what happened is the lower court dismissed on standing grounds because what they said is, hey, look, you're all able to ultimately. I mean, they're suing the state. The state didn't do it. A private agency did it. And ultimately, when you went to the state, you're able to adopt the person you wanted to adopt. So no harm. And the uh, Tennessee Court of Appeals reversed. Uh, also, a bunch of people had sued as in their capacity as taxpayers. Normally, you can't sue just because you're a taxpayer. Tennessee is one of the rare states where sometimes you can. So the first thing the court did, and I think this is correct, is that if there's a law that disfavors you, that impacts you at any level, or discriminates against you, or that motivates a third party to do so, or that the third party in any way helps them profit from doing so, you have standing to sue. It's a commonly misunderstood standing. I think standing, of course, I've said many times, is complete garbage. Uh, the, uh, I was so aggressive with it, uh, uh, uncivil law <laughs> kind of got upset with my rant, but the, that's another story for another day. I thought I, I liked his righteous rant, uh, the, uh, but I think he took it down cause it was a little excessive, I guess, <laughs> but the, uh, 
but so I don't believe in standing limitations, period. I think they're cop outs. But the Tennessee Court of Appeals at least recognized that within the confines of those standing doctrines, this 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 family was there was a stigma attached because they said, if you don't have these beliefs, you're you, know, you shouldn't have the same access to services as everybody else. Uh, and and the and they were negatively impacted. They were denied the ability to adopt the person they wanted to adopt. The uh, uh, and then and then clearly, even if you consider them a third party, they were motivated by and profited from their relationship with the state because of it. So, but the other thing is, taxpayers have standing in Tennessee when funds are being used illegally, and you gave the state an opportunity to fix it, and they didn't. Tennessee's great in this regard. You can really go after corrupt politicians. It's an underutilized provision. And they established that the ta- they had standing as taxpayers to sue as well. Uh, so I think it's a good decision in that regard. What I'm less confident in is the broader, is how to deal with this situation of a lot of the adoption agencies are private religious agencies, and they're taking money from the state and the feds. How to incorporate them uh, when I mean, a lot of them are, are in the adoption business to promote certain religious beliefs. This includes uh, Orthodox Jewish adoption agencies, uh, Islamic uh, agencies. I don't think that I mean, I think the problem here was there wasn't available access to anybody else except them for this family. That's where Tennessee screwed up. But I'm not overly comfortable with the idea of banning adoption agencies merely upon receipt of funds from because what will happen is there'll, there'll be people that will go out of the adoption business so a lot of the and, and a lot of them are a lot better than the foster parent system in the states so i, I want to promote that system and a lot of them do it for their religious beliefs and so i think there's got to be some median compromise reached uh better than where we're currently at all right excellent um do we go to the how many do we have left before we go to locals uh, exclusive we got so hawaii we got, uh, yeah, I think we'll probably cover one more here, and then we'll go over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com, where if you tip at least five bucks, we'll be answering your uh, tip tonight. And, and uh, by the way, more. good news, every time I refresh uh, Jeff Clark's Give, Send, Go, it's going up. So it's just over 50000 now. It was under. It was at 49000 a moment ago. So yeah, I think it was God under speed. forty when we first started promoting it, so that's good to hear. Um, the, uh, 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 we'll cover the Hawaii fire case. And then we'll save the homelessness case, the voting rights case, the spirit bag fees case, and, you know, uh, and the incredibly named Christmas case uh, from Tennessee for the uh, uh, and the tipped questions for the board. OK, now I'm going to go. So I'm going to give everyone the link to link to locals here. And Robert, before you get into the Hawaii case. Although lawsuits are one thing, people need to go to jail for what happened there. Let me just um, do this here real quick. Uh, okay, fine. Silent in Georgia. I wonder how entertaining or informative an interview with Vinay Prasad, MP, MPH, MDMPH, would be for a discussion on the Jibby Jab. Plus, watch Blue Beetle. Susan Sarandon's villain looks like Pelosi on purpose. Left Cross, Devil's Advocate. How do you know the people were cheating or were cheering him and not cheering him being indicted? Uh, that's Fulton County. Because they're waving at him and wanting him to wave back to him. I, th- I think so, too. I don't think that's much of the interpretation there. I got my coffee mug, says Dapper Dave. Van Halo. I heard Ruby Freeman was in the process of spilling the beans about Fulton County before she changed her tune when the lawyers got involved. Is that true, Robert? Do you know anything about that? I do not. Uh, I'll, I will screen grab that, however, and look into it. Jack Flack, torching the system is the goal, Robert. 
Boya says the American left is very good at identifying social problems, seemingly incapable of resolving them, and almost exclusively responsible for causing them. That happened. That has the three tri. You know, that's a perfect uh, drafting system, right? That you just did. Dapper Dave says, "Preach." Let's go, Brandon. Yorugua, nineteen sixty-nine, silent in Georgia. Viva. Do you know who Marion Barry is? Yeah, the crack smoking mayor. Can Barnes explain how this could have any relation? Uh, to relate to in this election. Marion Barry was one who got actually framed into smoking crack. Entrapped, yep. Entrapped, sorry, not framed. Entrapped. Um, what relation might this have to the current election? Well, I mean, just the same corrupt D.C. court system. I remember growing up. The, the idea that, that there could have been a second secondary level to the Marion Barry story when I was a kid hearing that. Oh, I know. What they, Ruby Freeman was the allege that people tried to get her to admit that she did some wrong things during the election that uh, that's the only reference i know to ruby freeman in the georgia case right that's an allegation i don't know what the backstory is randy edwards says reverse discrimination implies you discriminated against somebody and are now being retaliated against yeah, that's, that's, it's uh social justice means cur- well it's I really mean, just race discrimination it's just called reverse discrimination because it's against the major- majority population rather than minority population Hawaii, Robert, what are the what are the latest on the lawsuits? I mean, we don't have much more news right now other than we still don't have a confirmation on the number of people dead, the number of children dead. Robert, I, I, someone actually raised an interesting point. A, a thousand people missing, give or take. I mean, that's what I think it was. Assume that even one tenth of them are children, which would be a reasonable um, expectation. Someone said, well, why aren't there parents lining the streets asking, screaming, crying for where their kids are? And it raised a very scary prospect to me that I, I didn't understand. Are there parents who are who, who are asking for the whereabouts of their children? Are there are there like missing uh, missing children websites? Are parents making a stink about it, or is it is it oddly quiet? Other than well, I mean, re- I think I mean at least in some of these cases, the parents are dead. And 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 what it is is they don't know if the kids are still alive or not, and they haven't purported the kids as being dead. Mm-hmm. So that that's and there's always concern. I mean, in Haiti in Haiti after the earthquakes, there was massive efforts to kidnap kids for human trafficking rings. And Why so, I like the the the, the not yet doom pilled part of me wants to say it's America that 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 wouldn't happen as easily in America. But then Robert, I actually did Google you know children sex trafficking in Hawaii, and there was a recent bust within the year, and yeah. a number of the culprits were actually from Lahaina. It's it's. It's my, I mean, it's sadly, you can't rule it out. It, it, uh, criminals look for opportunity and kids in the middle of tragedy with their parents killed present opportunity for criminals. So it's just the sad reality of it. But at least some people are going to start to face consequences because the lawsuits continue to pile up against the utility, the big public utility company uh, that most likely facilitated this. That's Hawaii Electric, uh, major stakeholders, Blackguard, BlackRock, and Vanguard. Um, it, 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 Robert, it's, it's a no-brainer, the lawsuits. The, these these, these oh, yeah. I mean, the, were... Yeah, the, the, they kept the lines energized, even though they were on notice beforehand that keeping them energized would increase the risk of fire spreading, even though they were on notice for years in advance that they needed to have a policy in place so that they shut down the power lines whenever there was a high risk uh, uh, a high risk of fire or high wind alert risk. Um, and they they can and so they're being sued for strict liability, negligence, gross negligence. That's the old you know. You remember that from first year law school duty breach cause injury analysis. 
Did, did, did the utility company have a duty to not burn everybody down? Yes. Did they breach that duty? Yes, they didn't turn it off when they should have. Uh, did it cause injury? Yes, because the allegations are that most of the fire would not have had the impact it did, but for the failures of the utility company. And did it cause injury? Yeah, about $5 billion worth just from a property perspective, not to including the lives lost. Um, they're also being sued under public nuisance theory and trespass theory on the grounds that they effectively that they caused the fire and the fire was invaded people's land and thus was a public nuisance. Um, so the, but it, uh, they're, they're going to, those suits are only going to accumulate. There's some sophisticated counsel involved. They point out why Lahaina might've been a target of real estate poachers and others, uh, that it was the first capital of the Hawaiian kingdom that had all this history with it. It has beautiful beaches and a great snorkeling. It, it was something that a developer would love to get their hands on. And it had the holdouts like I, I forget what movie it was, which described in New York City why you had skyscrapers and these little corner buildings that only went up three stories because you had these oh, old John Cougar Mellencamp, little pink houses for you and me. Yeah. So it's like, there's a reason there were holdouts and they wanted that real estate. And now some people could, you know, and if people want to take a look at, you know, find out what the Tulsa race riots were really all about. Look up the hush hush. Because it might not be what you think it was. And now I'm, I'm going to pull this up, Robert. I'm not going to go into the article because it's just it's just, nine arrested in child sex undercover operation. And if we just go to Lahaina, and, and and a number of them were from Lahaina. It's just like I I really hate to think as cynically as I've now grown accustomed to. Well, yeah, you can't rule it out. I mean, it's the nature of criminalities. They look for opportunity. So the uh, but the we'll be talking about rights of the homeless, voting rights, spirit getting caught charging illicit bag fees the Christmas case, and answering any $5 tip or more over at vivabarnslaw.locals.com. So let's do it. I'll be live with George Gammon on Rebel Capitalist Live. I'll also be live with Donald Trump Jr. uh, tomorrow. uh, So they'll be up and rolling both of those. And remember, if you want to support food freedom in America, you can look at the pinned tweet at Barnes underscore law or go to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. I think the third from the top pinned post gives you a link where you can get beautiful homemade, specially designed blackberry jam straight from Amos Miller by supporting a fundraiser for him and free America Lawson. What time are you live uh, respectively tomorrow? So I'm not sure when Trump jr. Goes live. Uh, I know that I'm live with uh, George Gammon at uh, three o'clock Eastern, I believe. Okay, perfect. Uh, and okay, let's go here. I've sent the link one more time out here and it looks like we've got a new monthly member on rumble K Campbell 48. Okay. So what's going to happen now? I'm going to end the stream on rumble. Everyone come over to locals, vivabarnslaw.locals.com. All of this will go up on YouTube in its entirety. Audio version on podcast Podbean is Viva Barnes law for the people. Uh, and then snips and clips are going to come, but snip and clip and share around. I'm going to, we're going to end right now on rumble. So, Come on over to vivabarnslaw.locals.com in five, four, three, two.